What's happening, weirdos? This is a very, very special, wonderful, fun, interesting episode of uh, You Made It Weird with the artist known as Semler. Their real name is Grace, or their born name is Grace. Their stage name is Semler. I am huge, huge fan. I'm obsessed with their new record, which is called, Val has it right here. Oh, wait, I forgot. I was just... <laughs> Thank you for that. We had to pause. Late bloomer. <laughs> it's so good. We're going to listen to a little bit of, of it before we get into the uh, wonderful conversation. But we have similar backgrounds uh, religiously. Similar backgrounds. We have similar backgrounds. <laughs> and I, I'm just blown away with their talent. It's such a great chat. I'm really excited for you to hear it. Um, before we get to the music, if you like the show, please try a Pete's Pick. For example, I'm going to say for, for example. For example. Like for real, for real. You've already heard us talk about this, but it's Magic Mind. We've got two empty containers right here That's, well, on the desk. I have Magic Mind, first of all, right off the bat, is an elixir. It's the first, uh, I, I think they call it the first productivity drink. Ooh, it's not just uh, an energy. Sometimes I tell people, I'm like, it's not an energy drink. No. It gives you energy. Yeah. Uh, but it's not an energy drink. In fact, there's only like 35 uh, milligrams of caffeine in it from matcha. Yes. Uh, so it's a very even and steady productivity drink. What does that mean? It means it has lion's mane, mushrooms, uh, ashwagandha. These are adaptogenic pro- things, compounds yeah. that help you have, I don't know how to describe it, the most even, mm-hmm. uh, stress-reducing clarity it has nootropics in it that help you think it has matcha in it that gives you that even steady energy and it has uh uh, adaptogens which just sort of round the whole thing out i do not like you know typical energy drinks in fact the main reason i drink magic mind was because i went off coffee Mm -hmm. and even though i really enjoyed going off of coffee because it was giving me a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension in my body Mm -hmm. i was missing having some sort of secret weapon to help me especially when i'm trying to be creative especially when i'm trying to work especially when i'm trying to do something like answering emails anything that i need to be in a specific zone magic mind is my once a day i take it with my tea in the morning elixir that is unbelievably a game changer like this is not i'm not reading copy right now i'm saying i've turned more people on to magic mind than anything in recent memory it is a huge 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 asset in my life when i need to work when i need to focus when i need to elevate my mood and when i need my brain to be completely available to me Mm -hmm. uh wow keeping caffeine low and eliminating coffee. You don't need to eliminate coffee from your life, but if you want to drink less but feel absolutely no downside, Magic Mind is a great way over that hump. What do you got, Mama? Well, I'm just so sensitive to to caffeine, and it more often than not, like a cup of coffee will make me feel so jittery that I can't actually get anything done. That's right. It's like distracting. Yeah, and this is the opposite of that. It's like feels like you're just like lightly being lifted by butterflies yeah. and you're able to fully, fully focus. And I, I drank one right before this podcast. I, I always have one before the podcast. Yeah. It's and wonderful. I, and I do it before writing and it's, it works every time. It's worked every time where I, I feel kind of scattered. I'm not going to, I feel like I'm not motivated. I'm not going to be able to focus. 
And if I drink a magic mind, not only am I able to focus, but my mood elevates. So, it turns you around. Yeah. It's like a great way to like turn the train around. It's a great reset. You're, you're having like a bad morning or you just can't get in the flow. That's what it is. It, it helps you get into the flow state, especially the more you use it, the better and easier you'll find it is to get into a, a flow state. Like I said, it's light on caffeine. It's natural ingredients. Uh, it's just a little baby shot. I say it's like Witcher. Witcher drinks elixirs on that show and in that video game. It's a tiny little shot. You just drink it. I drink it in one little gulp in the morning. Boost mood, boost memory, increase focus, boost energy, nootropics, adaptogens, decrease stress, which is so huge. I, I, I'm not a huge matcha person, but I love that this has matcha in it because it gives you that caffeine, but in an even and steady way. It lasts about four or five hours, mm -hmm. uh, which I love. It's the perfect amount of time. Decrease inflammation. It's got heaps of antioxidants and it supports immunity because it has vitamin C and echinacea. So this is a natural and highly, highly, highly effective uh, productivity drink way more than energy it is about productivity for you to do more and stress less that's why magic mind is designed with balance in mind incorporating those adaptogenic herbs at, for safe and effective stress reduction calmness and a lifted mood uh, it's made uh, created by james bashara who is going to be a guest on the podcast because he is a very fascinating person uh, and my new friend um, I reached out because I was a fan of Magic Mind first, and we hit it off like gangbusters. I'm excited for you to listen to that. They also donate a portion of the proceeds to mental health charities and services that assist impoverished and homeless communities within the United States. So it is a wonderful product, top to tails. I love it. Get it in your face. I've gotten the writer's room at How We Roll on it. So many of the other actors are on it. I've never given it to somebody and not had them come back to me and say, how do I get more of that? Mm -hmm. We just gave it to our friend. Yep. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jimmy Marvel. Jimmy. Well, you yeah. didn't have to give his full name. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be the next Jimmy Marvel, go to www.magicmind.co. Who has time for the com? Yeah. .co <laughs> slash weird. And use my discount code at checkout, weird, to get a limited 20% off your first order. That's magicmind.co slash weird and use discount code weird at checkout. So excited to have them on board because we have been, as I said, ob Loving it. obsessed, obsessed. We have a new Pete's Pick, which I'm excited about. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Ooh. Val and I gave this one. <laughs> a little test run while we were having a little grown-ups uh, getaway. It's called Joy Mode, guys. Activate Joy Mode. Remember the last time you were like at a gas station or a bodega in New York City and you saw those horribly branded erection pills? Oh my god. <laughs> those are I blocked those from my mind. Yeah, they're they're tempting, I know. But did you ever take a second to see what's actually in those products? They are awful for you and the same goes with most of the products in the market that claim to help men in the bed but who wants a four-hour erection first of all nasty side effects heart problems and a possible trip to the hospital to get rid of that thing <laughs> joy mode is here to save the day whether you're happy or unhappy with your performance in the bedroom why not perform even 
better. Joy Mode Sexual Performance Booster is like a pre-workout, but for sex. And wouldn't you rather take a supplement designed to spice things up naturally rather than a prescription drug that can have har- harmful side effects down the road? You'll you'll go to great lengths to biohack your way to better mental and physical performance, but what about the bedroom? My first question for this, these guys was, is it natural? Obviously, does it work? And is it natural? I'm happy to say Joy Mode is both. There's so many things out there for your ding dong. And so many, I mean, these, this is the only one that I found that I'm like, I can get with this. Mm-hmm. It's natural. It's science-backed sexual wellness products for men. Their sexual performance booster is like a pre-workout for sex. It is designed to support erection quality and firmness. <laughs> Talking about that ding dong and sex drive. It contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline arginine. <laughs> wow. No. Yohimbin, 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 that sounds like an alias. Uh, yes, my name, Yohimbin. Yo what if you're like, and, and vitamin, vitamin C? <laughs> okay, that's just vitamin C. Vitamin C. It was created with, here's the point, best in class scientists and biochemistry PhDs. After taking the sexual performance booster, blood levels and of, of the things that I just mentioned <laughs> increase and will directly promote nitric, nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Uh, what I'm saying is this gets your ding-dong in the ding-dong zone. Uh, it is wonderful, and the effects uh, enhance sex drive and blood flow to the ding-dong, resulting to the penis. Stop being a child. Yes. It increases blood flow to the penis, resulting in better performance. And I stand by. I think it was wonder. I think it is wonderful and a wonderful natural little ally in 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 the sex zone. Joy Mode was created because the products on the market were terrible, and they are terrible. And they knew they could do better. Prescriptions come with all sorts of side effects, and the over-the-counter gas station pills are sketchy and fraudulent. But lots of guys take both because they don't know there's a better option. But here is the better option. You simply tear open the packet and mix with six to eight ounces of water, just like your favorite electrolyte packet. For best use, consume anywhere between 45 minutes to four hours prior to sexual activity. You'll notice better blood flow, better erection quality and firmness, and increased sexual energy and drive. So, want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? We have a special offer for the weirdos for listeners of You Made It Weird, go to usejoymode.com slash weird or enter weird at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's usejoymode.com slash weird for 20% off your first order. And thank you to Joy Mode for a lovely weekend <laughs> and for... <laughs> <laughs> and for sponsoring our show. And last but not least, I'm I'm wearing them currently because I am always wearing them is the perfect jean. I am, you need a place to put that ding dong. Oh, it's true. You need a place to put that ding dong and you don't want it cramped by horrible non-stretch denim. The perfect jean is the softest, most comfortable pant I own and they are the best looking pant I own. For sure. Pant. Pant. They are jeans. I have them in gray. I have them in dark blue. I have them in sort of dark blue. That is for real. And I've already bought multiple pairs because I only ever want to wear this. I don't know why we're going around in hard pants that that tear into your man zone. These are the best, most comfortable pants I've ever owned. I for real haven't taken off a pair of them since they arrived. I would sleep in them. And to be honest, I have. They're made from premium stretch fabric, 2% spandex, 2.5% rayon for extra comfort and 
and movement that your man parts require. This jean stretches so your nuts ain't crushed, thereby providing the only true home for your bone. They are super soft and, by the way, incredibly well-made and stylish. They look like tailored for your body. They, they, they hold where they need to hold and they give where they need to give, but no one is gonna know that you're wearing. It's your comfortable, stretchy little secret. And best of all, they're not khakis. Fuck your khakis, spare your nuts. The perfect gene for the perfectly imperfect man. Just 60 bucks when you use code WEIRDO at checkout and you'll be showing your support of the show. So liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene, whether you're working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf clover or a big old honkin' eggplant. The perfect gene, I add honkin'. The perfect gene has you covered. Take a peek at www.theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectgene.nyc. Code WEIRDO for 25% off at checkout and show your support of this show. Thank you to everybody that supports the show. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. Um, One last thing to plug is Largo on March 25th is my next and only live date right now. If you're in the Los Angeles area, come see us March 25th at Largo-LA.com for tickets. The last one was sold out. It was unbelievable. Thank you to everybody that came out. This next one is going to be... We're trying for a very big guest. That's all I'll say. And I think it's going to work out. And I think it's going to be amazing. All right, let's listen to a track. Here's one of uh, Semler's songs. And then we'll go right into the interview. Get into it. wanted to be more than just another compliant Christian daughter You can see it in my prom photos, honey I was underwater I told a girl that we were soulmates Now I don't even know the city where she lives All my well-adjusted high school friends Are on their second kiss But it's fine, honey, I'm fine I'm just a late bloomer I could get here sooner I'm just a late bloomer Feels like I barely grew up Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I pretended to be shocked. Hi, how's it going? Hi, it's so good to see you. I regret. In, uh, in like, my on my screen. Sort of. Like a sort of see. Yeah, like sort of seeing. This is a bummer. Hey, it's, oh, the, same it's, okay. back- it's the same background. I saw you on the news and this was your background. Oh, yeah. It's, that's, I live here. This is like my little, my little hidey hole office. And so... Oh. It's and fun. You got, you got Willie Nell. Yeah, Willie Nelson's right there. And a, oh, it's a the, photo, a photograph of Phoebe Bridgers above it. I'm just kidding. That's a, <laughs> that's a ghost. That's Someone just... gave me that at a show recently. <laughs> but you're right. It does. It has Phoebe vibes. <laughs> I do. I do love her work. <laughs> yes. No. I. I. I'm. I'm not surprised. Everybody loves her. I love her. But is that a gay pride ghost? 
Well, so I have this song about dysphoria called I'd Rather Be a Ghost because sometimes I'd rather just like leave my body but be like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Like I want to participate. Like I want <laughs> Hillary Duff to be able to see me, but I don't want to be perceived. And so someone came to a show and unfortunately enough resonated with that song. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I would like to be a homosexual no. ghost as well. <laughs> I think all all ghosts are sort of, you know, fluid. A little gay. <laughs> yeah. Like you there's no way that you're like in the afterlife and you're like nope, only only straight heterosexuality exclusively. No I'm homophobic ghosts. Cu- yeah. No, exactly. not I'm not even, even a little curious. That is so funny. And I think there's a moaning joke and I can't, I, somebody made, it wasn't me, but there was a joke that somebody made about ghosts are always moaning and rattling chains, which is very BDSM and, and kinky. And oh, yeah. so I, I think it serves your theory that once you drop your body, you're up for anything. Of course you would be. You're dead. Yeah. You're you can, liberated from these yes. physical vessels. Yes. You can explore. You can take on any form. You kidding me? I would, there's so much I would do. Like I true, like I wrote the song and at the time I wrote it kind of tongue in cheek, but the truth is like, I think I would rather be a ghost, like yeah. <laughs> in a literal I, set, not in a we, metaphor. I think I you, would prefer it. Well, that's so funny because one of my uh, go-to quests, which I got from an episode of NPR that John Hodgman uh, hosted or was one of the segments, whatever. He says, do you choose flight or invisibility for a superpower? And it sounds like you would pick invisibility, which I think, yeah. not not to say I, you can choose flight now that flight's on the table. Ghost, <laughs> I didn't, they're a bit of flying. both. Isn't it a bit of yeah. both? Like ghost it's floating. Flying. It's floating. <laughs> It's you, like you're a leaf blower floating. away. Yeah. yeah. If somebody uh, shoots a leaf, a leaf blower, blower, you're a leaf blower away from taking flight for sure. So a ghost is a great answer of both. You but, could easily have a jetpack with the, just oh a leaf blower, God. just a, with a, a long life battery, and you're a ghost. You're a, in a subway vent across if the you, country. If you go to New York City, you're mostly airborne if you're a ghost, which is why you never see them in the city. You don't. But. <laughs> What was that? Oh, uh, ghosts uh, and flight. I always thought invisibility was the, first of all, I, I grew up, I don't know if you know this, I grew up in Protestant um, and evangelical. I was just reading about, see, I grew up in the one where you were, You okay, sorry, I'm all over the place. You no, I, I, I know uh, more about you. It's pr- probably in like a strange way because I've seen like your specials and your show. Okay, so great. I'm familiar, yeah. Okay, so I think the Christian choice, if you're being really honest, if, if you were traumatized sexually in the way that I was traumatized, I'm using that lightly, is always invisibility because all we want to do is see people fucking. We want to go around and see naked people. And it's so embarrassing that you're like, yeah. shouldn't you choose flight? Because flight is the show off one. It's like, mm-hmm. it's you're proud, you're, you're centered, you know who you are and you want to like help. But like deep down, like, no one's watching. Wouldn't you like to just be invisible? And not just for sex stuff. I want to see how people really talk to each other. I want to know mm-hmm. if you and your partner talk in baby voices all day. <laughs> I want to know what like 
weird evangelicals are doing when the doors are closed. You know what I mean? Like I. <laughs> first of all, first of all, though, do you? You don't. I That's don't, but one. I sort of do. I want to, especially. Can I make noise? Can I like? <laughs> no, I would if I with invisibility. I would use it as being the prophetic voice that they just seemingly white knuckle will refuse to hear with regards to like inclusion and humanity. I would do that. Oh my That's number gosh. one. Number two, I don't think that I wouldn't choose flying because if you can't be invisible, but you can fly, I don't see how you get out of that equation without becoming like Chris Angel. Like you have, because people can see you fly. <laughs> so you immediately you have, have to be Chris Angel. You have to go to Vegas. Like, and that's, then Chris like Angel, that's what your life is. But they would hate you because you were just blessed with this gift. Like they'd be like, yeah. some genie just let him fly. I had to make a rig. You know, yeah. they would hate you. You can't be normal and visible and fly. Like your life is, becomes like a special, you have like, you, you become a bit that people will be like, oh, the flying gay. Yes, like it's yes. a thing. You that's the only thing people want from you for the rest of your life. Invisibility, you you don't you could keep that secret for the rest of your life. You could yeah. just be a really intuitive person, but you yeah. know that you can be invisible. That's right. You could do a lot of a absurdly lot. things. But I, this yeah. is when Val, my my wife and I talk about this. It's like she doesn't want to know what people are really saying about her. But there's sort of a devilish part of me that wants to go to the bathroom, come back <laughs> invisible, listen for a while, not just to get like scarred for me, but like to come back and pretend I'm psychic <laughs> and like be like, oh yeah, are you guys just talking like that sort of stuff or like. Well, that's an- then then another way of becoming Chris Angel and going to Vegas is using yeah. it to be psychic yeah i mean you could all just roads go... to me lead to Vegas, <laughs> to a magic special <laughs> all roads i'm like how can i milk this well <laughs> my god you actually office. just you made me realize that you know what you would be if you were invisible is you'd be chris angel's um accomplice oh, yeah. like a lot of magic tricks and this is sort of a heartbreaker require a second person mm-hmm. and if that second person was invisible there's no end. <laughs> There's no end. To what you it would just pull keep going. Yeah, it would just, yeah. You'd be the I best. mean, you'd go down in history. So either either way, either way, I'm getting rich and famous in Vegas. So yeah, and you'll be go, fine. yeah. Which is who? What else do you want, baby? Like, why do you get into this business? <laughs> I love Isn't it. Isn't that the dream? You're putting out records during the pandemic, but only to get a residency at the Bellagio. Vegas. Like yeah. you want to be put out to pasture, you, and there's Carrot Top and there's Celine Dion, yeah. Semler. Just, wow. Yeah. For people to just air out, they have an amazing night seeing Celine Dion, yes. and then they just air out their religious trauma and yes. a low-key like folk punk show of mine. Oh my God. And you did it. You've done yeah, it. And I've but done it. I do want to say, I listened to your record twice in entirety this morning and it's rainy. I know you're in LA too. So it's rainy and it's cold and it was just perfect. And I got really emotional several times. So when you say like airing out religious trauma, like and like at unlikely lines, like there might be lines where you're like, Oh, that'll get him. I don't know what it's like being a songwriter, but I imagine you'd be like, that's the line. But then there were lines that I think might you might think are just sort of like, and that's sort of like taking us from here to there. And I'd be like, <laughs> like I just like 
it would open my heart and I love the sound of it and I love the writing and I love everything about it. I'm talking about um, Late Bloomer, which is- Oh, thank you. Movie. I thought it was incredible. Thank um, you. I have, I have a lot of boring, first, I still want to get back to the ghost thing, but I won't forget because there's a reminder <laughs> of your- It's right story. there, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a little note for me. There's a prompt. Why? why? <laughs> I actually think it's a genius idea to go in the Christian uh, charts, you know, to say like, this is Christian music and to like own that. Cause it, like growing up somewhat similar to you, I would always say like, I'm a comedian who happens to be a Christian. That's when I was very young. But you'd, you'd say like, I happen to be a Christian. I don't do mm -hmm. Christian comedy. But there's sort of like a, and there's no shame in this. There's like a marketing kind of genius to being like, no, let's dominate. Let's let's go into the minor leagues and like slam home runs all day. Like they're all falling down. Like it's like the bad news bears. And you're like 1996 Jose Canseco, and you're like, I'm gonna go. That's the only baseball reference I could think yeah. of. Yeah. Well, they're like, well, they're like, wait a second, she can swear. Yes. No, yes. you're not supposed to, because I'm independent. So I don't, I operate outside of a label. I operate from this room with this mic, pretty much. Um, oh, what puts you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Please go, please go. No, just, I mean, a Late Bloomer was recorded in a studio, but most of all the demos and everything is like, just very homespun. Yeah. So what, what makes, uh, God, I don't want to ask you stuff you've been asked a million times. No, it's okay. But when I think about like DC talk third day, uh, you know, um, five iron frenzy, if you're nasty, um, these were <laughs> on Christian labels and some of them and some didn't, but some of them had like their Jesus quota and you couldn't write a song about you know, doubt, maybe that might be some of their, so what makes you a Christian record? How did you, introduce yourself into that stream and why did you choose it? Yeah, I, it's absolutely an intentional choice and it's the honest choice given kind of the season that I found myself in. So I grew up in a rectory. My dad is an Episcopal priest. And so I grew up very, very religious. I have no memories outside of prayer, outside of liturgy. That's just how I understand faith and divinity in life. And the youth events that we would participate in were of an evangelical tradition. So I'm sure that we probably know some of the same, some of you know, the hits, if you will. I was will. reading your experience <laughs> and it really broke my heart that you knew you were gay at a young age and then you didn't really know that there was any, you, you didn't think it was like, hooray for, like you said, the quote you, you said there weren't pride parades, but you knew you were safe and accepted. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you go to my people and suddenly you're praying the gay away or being asked yeah. to pray the gay way. Would you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Just really conflicting messages. So I, my parents were some of the last people I came out to. I'd been out to my friends and my brother for years, but oh, wow. I didn't know where my parents stood because it wasn't something that we talked about in church. And even though I understand now and trust my parents and I have worked through a lot since um, my music <laughs> has been yes. coming out, uh, but I, I didn't, see that representation and I didn't I didn't hear it from the pulpit and so where I was hearing it was in evangelical youth groups and trips and things like that and so I was just asserting that and assuming that that's probably what my dad believed and I was incorrect in that but how was I to know I think it's yeah. so important that guardians are specific in what they believe if they're if they are participating in faith especially if they're a leader of a faith 
organization like my dad was. Like it wasn't right for him to be ambiguous because he didn't want to offend or he didn't know if he was going to say the right or the wrong thing. Because as a result of that, I didn't come out to him until I was with who is now my wife. Um, so he missed a lot of chapters. Um, yeah. But in some ways it's kind of fine because I didn't really want to get dating advice from my dad in a gay well, way, but maybe is... maybe it would have been great. I don't know. Who wants to, I forget who has this bed, but who wants to talk to their parents about their sex lives, gay, straight, or, or otherwise? Mm. Like, it's just not, it's such an no. unfair thing <laughs> that if you're gay, you have to, you have to have this conversation. You have to be like, this is what I like. I have a joke about that. My wife has uh, big boobs. I'm not trying to be funny. Congrats. I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. But you'll I think you'll understand what I mean when it's that Christian programming. I thought it was impolite to introduce her to my parents and be like, this is what I'm into. Why, why should they know the whole thing? And this reeks of Christian shame. But I was like, even when you meet someone's partner, you're like, gross. I don't want to know, like, not gross, obviously, but like, yeah, but I don't want to know that's personal. This so is personal. what turns you on. Yeah. You, you keep that to yourself. I just met you. Like, this yeah. is weird. But that's because I was raised, maybe it sounds like you got a little bit of it thinking that your sexuality was, it wasn't something to right. celebrate. Well, you're, you're taught Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus love you. When does that message change? Typically it's around when you hit puberty. That's when you're introduced to Jesus loves you unless and until these certain criteria are met. And it's all, it's puberty stuff. It's like, it's modesty, which for the record, I always joke that I'm so modest. Like I, no one's seen my ankles in years because I always wear socks. Like you'll never (laughs) catch me with cleavage. Are you kidding me? And yet no credit. I'm doing it. Somehow I'm doing it wrong. Look at this. Look at this. Like, you'd have no idea. <laughs> fully, fully like a cardboard person in front of you. But abs- but no, I'm the one that gets stared at when I go to church. Okay, so like, that correct is... me. Um, so back to Christian music. So yeah, so I yes, grew up in a yes. rectory and the, all the media that was brought into the home was Christian media. So, um, which is why I loved finding your stand-up because I watched a lot of like Christian comics, which yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with. Only a um, little bit. It's just kind of really chilling. Bad, right? Well, so well, I honestly, actually don't like, know. I don't know. They'd have some bit. It just there was always a bait and switch, and I think that that's really an unfortunate trope in Christian circles. Is that they'll be like funny, 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 and then there was always a switch in the special where it would be like some guy would go from being so funny about relatable jokes about mom and dad, and then it would be like, and Jesus is coming back, like yelling to the microphone. And that's my, you know, that'd be my cue to kind of turn it off. But all the music that was brought into the home was Christian music. And this was- (laughs) His closer is screaming and Jesus is coming back. I have a very vivid memory of this comedian screaming into the microphone being like, the reason why I won't get played on an HBO or something like that. I don't know what this guy's name was. The reason why I'm not on mainstream is because they know I'm going to say Jesus's name and it's been 2000 years and they're still scared of him. And they were, it was very like paranoid and it was a comedy special. (laughs) And it was terrifying. That is, you know, there's a secular version of that, which we made fun of on my, my TV show, which was the comedian who's not good, but says he doesn't have a special because he's too real. It's yes. the same thing. Same it's like, thing. Oh, really, dude? You're so funny. But <laughs> because you say Jesus, who happens to be the most popular thing. <laughs> like, if you could get Christians, like, yeah. on board. That's why I was kind of saying it is sort of smart 
not that not that that's what I'm thinking you're saying, but like it's not like a fringe position to be like, I, I struggle, Sammy's. Can I call you Sammy's? Yeah, please do. Please do. Little Sammy. A, a little Sammy. I have bits about how I believe in God, and I find it hard to do because there's so many people who believe in God, but it's not very thoughtful. I know that's judgmental, but it's just because you believe in God in the same way that you like cheese on your sandwiches. It's just sort of like a given. Like, of Mm -hmm. course, I like cheese on my sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And of course, I believe in God. And through most of human history, 99.999 repeating has believed in God. Like, atheism is like a new uh, phenomenon, basically. It's a modern phenomenon. So anyway, I try and do the bit. And my problem is people agreeing with me too quickly. And I have to, like, find ways to be like, this is what I say. I go, I believe in God, but I usually hate other people who believe in God. Like, when people believe in God, I want to run away. And I have to start with that. Otherwise, I'll get all this like undue applause, meaning most people want you to believe in God. And especially if it's their God, that's Mm -hmm. a good thing. So I'm just calling bullshit on the guy being like, I'm a bit too real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would love to. There there are a few specials I would love to kind of look up for old time's sake. I'm sure my brother and I would get a kick out of watching them back. But yeah, I I grew up with like Veggie Tales and Christian media. And this was before. So right now in Christian music, there's been this split where for a while it was, okay, your kid likes Limp Biscuit. Here's P.O.D. Oh, your kid likes Avril Lavigne. Here's, I don't even remember what the equivalent was for her, but they would have these, they would literally have charts that were the equivalent of what it was. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. worship music. It was people who probably came from youth groups that got signed by a Christian label that had like a Christian tilt, think of like Switchfoot to their music, but it was still something that you could market as the alternative to um, a kid that was, you know, wanting to listen to Blink-182 or whatever. Right, and that, right. and because God forbid, because he yeah. absolute heathens, that Blink-182. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a masturbation joke. I don't know I if was, you know that. No, no, no. It, it took me years to put that together. I was real uh, protected in that regard. I would have my friends burn me CDs of secular music. And then it was like, I was listening to corn and I was really into metal. And my dad was like, oh, we have to find like Christian equivalents. And it was, it was a mess, but it wasn't worship music is, is my point. Because right now Christian music is very like that they've given up on trying to create alternatives because with streaming, it's just too clunky and messy. It's just not really going to work. People are, people are going to find the music they want. I don't need to rely on my friends to burn me CDs anymore. I can just log on to Spotify and find music on my own. Yeah. You couldn't do that for a long time, but now that you can, they're just like, okay, fine. We'll mind our business, but we're just going to write worship music. And that is how they redefine Christian music. It's only explicitly worship music, but that hasn't, and they like to pretend like that's always been the case, but it hasn't always been the case. And so over quarantine, I I hosted the show for Vice called State of Grace, which was about um, the intersection of faith and American life. And we did a bunch of episodes. We did one on abortion, on conversion therapy. And the final episode before quarantine as like a fun treat for me was about Christian music to go to Nashville. And and we met with a Christian. Yeah, it was a fun, fun little adventure for me. Uh, And we went to Nashville and we met with some Christian people who either worked at labels or they tried to work in Christian music. And then whether it was purity culture or that they came out, they were blacklisted from working Mm, in CCM. mm. We met with the lead singer of Jars of Clay. I don't know if you remember that band, but I- Of course, I think Jars of Clay on Crashing and I'm pretty sure that guy might've reached out to me. What's his name? Dan Hazeltine. 
I might have corresponded with the Yeah, he's the that. best. I they was don't he, realize was he booted. Yeah, because he started asking questions about gay marriage. He literally on Twitter. This is how he got canceled by Lifeway Bookstore. He tweeted out, "Are we sh- something to the effect of like, are we sure that we're doing the right thing with gay people?" And then he turned his phone off for a flight. And by the time he got when the, when the flight had landed, he turned his phone back on. Jars of Clay was pulled. Like they were the number one you know, banned in Christian music and they were just totally blackballed because oh of- Oh my gosh. Yeah. Charles and, of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, said, a are fun... you sure you're doing the right thing with gay people? <laughs> yeah. He asked a question? Yeah. It, was, it wasn't insane. even him. Because right now I'm sure that he would identify as affirming. I've actually spoken to him a number of times since then. Um, but at the time he was just asking questions and that was enough to get him just booted from the industry. And it's, I don't know, it's been a number of years now, but when we met him for the show, because they don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize how famous they are to people that grew up in Christian environments. He doesn't think of himself as famous. I bawled when I met him. I got it together for the interview, but I met him and I was like, you don't think I'm going to hell? And he was like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> I, was like, I just, you were, I really look up to you. Wow. Um, yes. He, those very nice. matter for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, I, and I think that that's, anyway, so we did this episode filmed it. It was very emotionally charged for me in a way that was very surprising. Come home, quarantine happens. We're on lockdown. I've always been writing music, but I've been focusing on hosting and unscripted documentary work for a while. All of that work dried up overnight, seemingly, because you can't travel and host a doc series about religion. It was already kind of strange to begin with. Mm. I started writing music um, and the only thing that I could think about, I had repressed memories come back up. All this stuff that I had never dealt with because ultimately my parents were affirming. I just put it out of my mind. I said, no, I don't have any problems. I don't have any religious trauma. I'm good. I got out. I I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Mm. It all just kind of came back up. And I think a lot of us had things like that when we were forced to be, or if we had the privilege of being still during lockdowns at the very beginning. And so that's what I started writing about. And I went to my wife in the kitchen when I'd finished writing Preacher's Kid and I said as a joke, I was like, I think I like accidentally wrote a Christian record. And I, cause I didn't, I didn't like sit down being like, I'm going to get them. But it was just so, I kind of hate this Christian language, but, but it was like, what was on my heart. It was the only thing I could think about. It was all that I was, I was just sitting there writing Bethlehem and it was just stream of consciousness. It wasn't anything that I was sitting down and calculating and thinking about. It was clearly something I needed to work through. And since then it's just been like the floodgates have opened and I'm kind of examining my own Christian story and my own Christian upbringing for the first time. Cause I think I'm able to do so because I'm finally living as myself and being honest. And I feel like I can be open with my parents about things. And as a result, I've found a incredibly niche, but supportive community of people like yourself who relate to like DC talk and Michael W. Smith and this weird, it's like this weird little subculture, but it's not, um, it's just not as fringe as I think some people might believe because we're all looking for something. And there is this industry that says we have that answer. And many people, there's a pipeline through it. And I kind of was one of those people through my dad and through my upbringing. And now I'm just kind of unpacking it all and seeing what fits. And as I continue to write about it, as I continue to go through it with people in my life, it it is a Christian story. And so that's why it should be a Christian record. 
Mm, wow. So you didn't, wow, this is maybe a stupid way to say it, but you didn't choose it. It, it, cho- it chose to be a Christian record. It just was. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always, I tell people too, like if I had, if I could go back in time as myself now to my 15 or 16 year old self, who's like peak repression. Um, and I was like, Hey, oh my gosh. For, hey, so good to see you. It's me from the future. I would have been like, you are my worst enemy. You are my nightmare. We cut our hair. Oh my gosh. Like, do we have any friends? Like all this stuff. Yeah. And then if I were to tell them also we're, we are, we are writing Christian music. I would have like bitch slapped myself and been oh. like, stop it. Like we should have gotten out by now. Like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like all I wanted was to be in a quote unquote real band yeah. and to be a real artist and, yeah. you know, and not someone who had to censor words, you know, and wasn't allowed to express themselves fully because there are certain parameters. So obviously I've become an artist that isn't like how I understood Christian artists at 15 or 16, but I I do think that my 15 or 16 year old self would be confused and maybe a little disappointed if they didn't have context for- Right, you'd have to explain a lot. You'd have to explain the internet. Well, you had the internet by then. Yeah, You'd have to explain Spotify. Yeah, Yeah. it's (laughs) like when I I was- when I was in Raleigh visiting my wife's family, um, we go to parties. It's like a Raleigh circle. Um, and, uh, people would be like, Oh, what do you do? And I'd be like, I write Christian music. And they like, look at me, <laughs> they look at them. And it's, I'm like, I just say, it's a long story. It's kind of, <laughs> do you want to get into it? Probably not. <laughs> Right. You should, it's like Christian music happened through you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is very different. I love that answer because it's very different from saying like, look, people are listening to this. Let's give them this. And to your point that it's not that fringe, that, that's been the great surprise of my life is I think maybe I'll speak for myself. I was sort of embarrassed a little bit. I was certainly on fire for the Lord, but like at a certain point, like when I was 22, when I graduated and I got out, I was, I I didn't really, who do I talk to about this now that I'm out, now that Mm -hmm. I'm living by myself, I was with my first wife, I was in a new city, I was doing comedy. Like it was so embarrassing to talk about, but now Mm -hmm. because of the internet, if, if you have a podcast, if you have a TV show, all these different ways of kind of communicating it. When I put jars of clay on that episode, it was the thing I get the most feedback about full stop. Like people are always like, Oh my God, I can't, but it's so many of them. Mm -hmm. And then it's also so many people that like got married when they were 22 and then got divorced. That, that is a huge slice of American Mm -hmm. pie. Like the pie chart. That's a huge group as young evangelicals. I know we're sort of, we're different ages, but like still in this group got married because they had sex shame wanted mm-hmm. to have sex, so got married, then it didn't work out sort of thing. So it's nice to see that you're having the same experience. It's not that small. Yeah, and and it it's interesting too, to hear you describe it as embarrassing because I think that was something I wrestled with, with it for a long time. Because when I moved out, I actually moved to LA because I thought I wanted to do stand-up comedy. No, and really? I, I did, and, and I tried it. I, I gave it a, a time, but what I realized was that I was... <laughs> only and exclusively making gay jokes about me which was making people laugh I think I did pretty well but it was it hurt it was because I wasn't right with myself yet and so they would laugh at something 
because I presented really differently at the time. I had a long way to go with gender. And so I would make a joke about what I wanted to be and how I wasn't that blah, blah, blah. And people would laugh and I'd be like, okay, yeah, so it is stupid. Okay, never mind. Wow. Um, and, and so I moved out to LA and I was in these like entertainment circles and I was always so, so embarrassed when people would be like, oh, your dad's a priest. Like, how was that? I'd be like, ah, nothing. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, I didn't, no big I didn't deal. know my childhood was different. I know you were living with a clergyman, but like it took me until my early 30s before I was like, wait, my life was different. And I think I understand now. And people were even telling me like, you went to a Christian college, right about that. And I was like, what do you mean? It was totally normal. And it's like, no, it wasn't. And honestly, as a, as a creative person, thank God, like, I'm glad I had all these weird things to mine and tell people about, but you, it sounds like you were having the same experience. It's like, who yeah, cares? And, no biggie. Well, and especially in queer circles too, is I just recognize that when I'm in queer spaces, almost never does, do people have positive experiences with someone saying, I believe in God, almost never does it mm -hmm. go well for us. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things where I almost like didn't want to re-traumatize people by entering it into the discourse. And so I just buried it down and buried it down and buried it down, even though I would find myself praying and I, and I would look up things, I would watch sermons and I, and I found myself, the more and more I got right with myself and who I believe I was created to be not, you know, as they would say, like living for the world. When I was looking like the best Christian is when I was living for their world and for their rules. Yeah. When I started being true to myself and I've known myself to be this since I was four, yeah. then I like almost in this like covert way, I would open a Bible and be like, okay, but what is it? Let me look at the gay stuff. Like, let me see what the, what it actually is saying. Yeah. Let me look up affirming, you know, pastors and sermons. And I started having a, a curiosity for okay, I was taught Jesus language for divinity. I can't, I don't know anything outside of that. I find comfort in prayer and spirituality. I can't change that. I don't know if I want to, you know, I, I actually like those lessons, you know, and I really like some of the community that I've found through faith and the conversations that that's had and the, and the comfort that it, it has inspired um, but is there a way that I could engage with this in a way that isn't harmful and, and am I ready for it? And that's the season that I'm in right now. It's just the chapter that I'm in. I, I really hope I'm not writing about religious trauma for the rest of my life, but I think that it's, it's this itch I have right now. And it's something that I'm actively working through. So I think I need to honor it. Mm -hmm. If you'll allow someone who barely knows you, we're just meeting now, you won't be. I mean, that's just my, if you're anything like everyone I know. <laughs> that is good to hear. Which good? I, I don't mean just everyone I know, because I have a lot of people, you know, it took me a while to rip, figure out that Arrested Development, the TV show, that's also a condition, Arrested Development, like your development arrests. I, yeah, I, same. Sort of, <laughs> it it's that, it's, it's that and take off your pants and jacket. Wow. <laughs> Our, this is... These are like like just Christian memes. <laughs> just we need help getting these things clearly, but I have and not to I'm not putting them down, but I have a lot of people from my previous life, my previous Christian life, who did just sort of hit pause, and and that's okay. It's okay. I I, I sort of do feel myself judging it, but like it is okay. 
the the artists that I know and and the thoughtful people that I know and the spacious and the open and evolving people that I know, which really does take a lot of courage. You're talking about you doing stand up and the pain, like almost like a birth pang of of pushing through that canal and getting to the other side. I get why a lot of people are like, no, I'll, I'll be over here eating Fritos. Like that sounds better. But if you do go through the deconstruction phase, it's like so essential. And then you get to the reconstruction, which it already sounds like you're you're doing. I'm just un, unprovoked offering a word of hope is that like, it's so good. You don't seem bitter, which is great because some people do stay in the deconstruction where they're like, you really think there is an old man in the sky, dude? And it's just like, no one is saying that. No one, is, like so few people are saying that. Well, there are millions yeah. of them. But so few, there are millions and millions, but like, not, not us, or, or maybe you do believe in an old man in the sky. We'll get to that. I, okay. You're shaking your head. <laughs> That's actually a very frightening re- suggestion. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. I, when you get into deconstruction, you almost like after the fact, notice that you were reconstructing while you were deconstructing. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is you'll you'll be you are great and you'll and you'll be fine what were thank you yeah for what it's worth just some guy no it actually does mean a lot i it's been candidly a very difficult month for people in my life citing god as a reason to exit my life and so it's good to know that oh they were like yeah god so i can't be with you yeah it's it's yeah i can't Yeah, it was a boundary. I, I, well, no, it's not. I mean, it's one, it's what it is. I'm, I'm actively writing through it, which is, I'm sure maybe you feel that way with in your own creative life, but I've been very thankful to God recently for having almost like built in therapy because as things have been unfolding this month, I've Mm. been almost immediately started writing through it. And it's really helped me to feel better. But I am right now, I'm in the process of like, so what now? <laughs> like, what is it? I'm yeah. like, just kind of thinking like, oh, so like forever, like, is someone gone forever, but they're still alive and it's, but they don't like, how does it like, you're really going to make this bed is kind of the thing that yeah. is difficult for God. Like God is happy with this. Yeah. So yeah. it's good to, it's a message of hope is, is welcome is I guess what I'm trying to say. I find that so interesting. You know, I, I'm friends with, do you know Rob Bell? I'm assuming you you know who Rob Bell is. Mm-hmm. I hope you've read, have you read Love Wind? I have not, but I'm familiar with Rob it. Bell. I know. You gotta read it. Only because you mentioned- It's on my the, list this year. The I Jars will. of Clay guy. You're like, oh, you don't think I'm going to hell. That that book salved and healed something. So, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it really does matter. You're like, but you're one of their guys, you know, like you went went to seminary and you're a pastor and, and you wrote this book. It's different if I write it, like you want someone from the inside, you want someone inside the system that traumatized you to heal you. I I know that doesn't make much sense, but. Or, or just to validate your pain. You know, I, um, I love TikTok. It's my favorite platform. And I sometimes I'm a little crazy sometimes on TikTok. And I, need to, <laughs> I, I like kind of started a campaign of I had 
someone gave me free tickets to see Switchfoot. And I was like, I'm going to yell gay rights at a Switchfoot show because they've never, prior to that, they had never come out as being affirming, even though, which I thought was so strange because they were one of those safe bands for queer people or anyone who felt different in Christian circles, like Reliant K, Five Iron Frenzy, Switchfoot. There were these bands that you were just sort of like, like you're like, come on, you come on. There's yeah. no way that you think I'm going to hell. Yeah. But it, they'd never actually been explicitly clear on it. And so I made a TikTok about yelling gay rights at a Switchfoot show. They did not hear me, but the video got back to Switchfoot. And then the lead singer cre- made a video response saying that he was affirming. And it was incredibly meaningful. Hear, yeah, the power of TikTok. When you said <laughs> before that they hadn't been affirming, I'm like, wait, it worked? <laughs> It worked. It worked. I mean, I yelled I have a, Mexico I have a few, at a James Taylor concert. Nothing happened. <laughs> no, that's, that's I have a few true. white whales. I want to, Toby Mac is a big one for me. I have a, because now I'm like, wait, we're all online. Yeah. Toby Mac, like what's up with gay rights? What are our thoughts, questions, yeah. comments, concerns? Here I yeah. am. Because yeah. it is so meaningful when people they don't, I, I, I hope that they recognize the, the impact that they could have to take a stand for this human rights issue. Yeah. It's so important to frame it that way. Mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. And it's very weird that someone could be a, in a faith space and be ambiguous as to what they believe mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something that I, I, it is very meaningful when you hear it from a Rob Bell, when you hear it from like the lead singer of Switchfoot, sure. it, it really has a big impact. Jars of clay, just weeping at this. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, the reason I mentioned Rob was because I, I, to go back to, I mean, if there's anything I, here's what happened. I remember, and I understand, but I, I had this TV show on HBO and there was a church episode. And I love this person, by the way, if you end up hearing this, I love you. I, I'm not mad about it. But I remember I asked somebody from my Christian past to be in the episode. Uh, because I wanted to fill it with authentic church people doing authentic church things. And they, (laughs) Sammy's, when they said they had to pray about it, I was like, fuck you. Like, I immediately was like, fuck you. I got so mad, like wrongly mad. Like, I'm telling you that I overreacted and was like, because to me, I'm like, this is a, a TV show. This is so fun. I'm inviting you into my house, which when it comes to identity and sexuality and all that sort of stuff, even more offensive and your beliefs and how you interpret the divine, even more offensive. So I'm, I'm conceding that what is happening with your friends sounds worse, but this is how I can relate. So I was like, I, I just want you to be on HBO and, and we'll give you, yeah. we'll give you thousands of dollars and, and you get to be on HBO and you get to watch. It. And I know you fucking watch my goddamn show. I know you do because you text me about it. And, and now I'm asking you to be on that fucking show that you like. See, I'm getting all worked up. Yeah. And they said no, because they didn't want to be seen on a show that had nudity and swearing or whatever the fuck it was. So I tell Rob, and this is why I wanted Uh, to encourage you in this regard. I tell Rob, and you know what he says? He says, first of all, he was like, oh no, oh no. He was totally on getting why I was upset. And he was like, you know what you say to that person? When I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was like homeless, you did not let me in. He quoted Jesus being like, where were you when I needed you, when I wanted you? This is, Mm -hmm. God is relationship, if you're asking me, and flow. God is us together. 
God is us making space. God is feeding us. God is loving us, us loving one another. God is being present together. This is God. And it is not God to shut doors. And if you want to see evidence of this, look at the way rain works. Look at the way flowers work. Look at the way thorn bushes work. Everything is showered with grace and life and light and more and more and more and more novelty, more love, new ways to love, new ways to connect. And if someone goes, I don't know, whatever they said, your hair is a little short and you're married to a woman. Um, fuck off, dude. Where were you when I was hungry? And you're, what are you hungry for? You're just hungry for connection. That, that is its own type. Go ahead. No, I mean, yeah, it's, I think that's a really beautiful way of framing it. And I think what's been helpful for me is really grounding myself in how I understand love and how I receive love. And I, and I think that that's the breakdown with this relationship that's happening is that they that they do understand love as conditional and that they're they're in an environment in a church environment where it's really normal for love to be conditional and for you to have um you know like how you'd have a sponsor for a drug problem or something like you have a sponsor for god <laughs> i don't like i don't it's like where you have like an accountability buddy to be yeah. like i don't think you're following god well um, it's not your friend. I mean, it maybe they are also a friend, but it's like an accountability person. and i and I think that that's very normalized. And so what what is really tricky, and I know that a lot of people go through this is someone will tell you, I'm doing this because I love you. You are my friend, and I love you. So I need to do this to you. And we need to like, or like I'm gonna stay in your life, and this is how I'm gonna love you. And where I'm, proud of myself but it also like fucking sucks is just saying I actually don't receive love that way so you're telling me that you love me and and you can't slap someone and be like that was love did you feel that love if I'm like ow that doesn't feel at all like love to me I'm gonna ask you to stop slapping me in the face and they're like but that's but that's how I that's how I express love now it's okay for me to be like, well, then I think you need to express your love that is, elsewhere. That is good for you. Good for fucking you. You know, yeah, but Pete, it's hard. I know it's hard, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you one of my favorite Jesus things is that Jesus drew a crowd. Jesus, well, I love that story where he's teaching. I understand that he was healing, so it's a little unfair. There's like some razzmatazz. Chris Angel energy for being there's honest. A, there's. <laughs> You got Chris Angel on the brain, and I love it. I do, too, if I'm being completely honest. Um, He was doing some healing, so I'll concede that. But mostly what he was doing was was hanging out and and teaching and loving, right? I mean, the prodigal son, have you read? Has this person, forget it. The prodigal son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, is the punchline of the prodigal son. Like, you can't leave me. You can't divide infinity. You can't earn it. You can't leave it. I don't care how many people you had sex with, how many pigs you cleaned up after, and we're Jewish, and that's a big deal. It doesn't matter. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. That is the most agreed upon authentic teaching of Jesus, meaning it's in all four. It's, it traces back. We got it. it. It was his closer. It was his big sermon. The big right? bit. And the fact, wait, I don't want to lose my train of thought. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go to what I was going to say. We can't accept that. We don't want to accept that. 
We live in a, a capitalistic world where you have to earn it. Money is everything. Power mm -hmm. is everything. We're a football world. Earn it, smash it, win it. Get the likes, get the clicks, get the follows, get the all. That's our whole world. So of course we make God the same way. Jesus says the rain falls on the good and bad alike. Rain, by the way, is a very good thing, especially in a climate like Israel. It's a good thing. It means blessings come to the good and the bad, everything. You can't divide infinity. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we don't want that. We want to be dirty little whatever, dirty little shits that fucking hate our bodies, that hate each other and want to go to our abusive alcoholic dad who lives upstairs and prove to him that he should stop hitting us because we really made him a special glitter, sparkly macaroni, you know, <laughs> uh, cardboard cutout thing at, at school today. Please, can we come in? That's where we got from the story of you're always with me and everything I have is yours. One mm -hmm. final thing, Semis. Paul, I know Paul's controversial. I actually like Paul, but I had somebody explain Paul to me, Richard. Yeah, same. I ha I've I've gone on my own journey with Paul. I used to really hate him. Of course, it's the, it's the it's he was always the footnote of any sort of oh the worst face stuff from a Christian. Yeah, yes, the worst stuff, the worst stuff. Out of context, Paul, you can you can do almost anything. <laughs> oh yeah, and people and people certainly have. Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> But one of the ways that Paul, and Paul evolves and Paul grows and Paul changes, one of the things that I needed to explain to me, again, this is Richard Rohr, he talks about the performance principle, which is what we're talking about. That's the accountability partner. That's the person that goes like, if only I could stop jerking off, then God would love me. And not only that, mother, my password to my AOL was Barnabas, because I wanted a reminder going in to be holy on the internet. I know. Oh. My I gosh. know, I know. And <laughs> That's Paul, incredible. Paul's word for the performance principle is the law. And over and over, he says the law doesn't work. It's grace, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. And yet we refuse and we would rather carry our own turds weeping through rivers of diarrhea on our knees, gnashing our teeth, because like you, like you keep saying, we haven't figured our shit out yet. You haven't become holy, which is whole, which is the very specific compliment I wanted to give you about your music, is that there's a wholeness to it. Um, one of Richard's books that I love, Richard Rohr, that I love, it's called Everything Belongs. When I hear a little bit of angst or a little bit of melancholy, I go, you're goddamn fucking right. This is, this is what it sounds like to be human. And I don't know when it got turned into the only thing we can say to God is hooray, or the only thing we can be on the record is being as polite. Richard Rohr mm -hmm. says the word nice is not in the New Testament. There's no word nice. And we've turned it into the religion of being nice. I've gone on and on and on. All no. I want to say is yeah. that. I'm done. <laughs> no, I, it's it's been very liberating for me just in a creative sense because who the idea that Christian music that there's no swearing in it that it really is just hooray love it thanks so much but also I am a tiny worm in the ground and I'm the scum of the earth so the fact that you even would receive a prayer is amazing thank you so much um it's that's really not when I have conversations with people about faith whether they're inside or outside of it and whatever that practice might look like 
that's not what we're talking about. You know, there's a lot, there's, there's so much divinity, I think, in the profane and that the profane can be profound as well. I love, I mean, because the preacher's kids kind of go either way. So there's another kid I grew up with who I'm very, very close to. She was a bridesmaid at my wedding. Her dad is a pastor. The, this girl, I've never heard her swear. I don't even know what that would sound like. And it's, and but she, I think she feels like she could swear, but she just like, it's just not a possibility. Me, these, we, but we grew up in the same household. We're like, I remember one time my mom stubbed her toe and said shit. And my brother and I were like, whoa, like, mom, no. And I now, I swear all the time. I don't think that I am... I mean, I don't know if it would really matter, but I wouldn't consider myself a very vulgar person. And I don't typically like swear at people or call people names. That's not really how I use language, but I swear a lot because it's almost like now there's this whole range of emotion that I wasn't really able to access. I didn't feel like I could access it. Now I can. Why wouldn't that come out in my music when I'm talking about God? Why wouldn't I use my full range of expression? Because we've decided in 2021, damn near 22, that that it's a rude word. What? Yeah, yeah. So no, no good Christian has ever swore. Okay. I, I mean, I almost said, dude, dude, listen, dude, <laughs> dude, dude, Sammy, dude, Sammy's. No, but that's good. That lets me know I'm giving the right energy. You're receiving my energy correctly. <laughs> if you were to say, ma'am, I would have been like, <laughs> when it comes to, um, what is the correct term? Gender queer. Sure. Is that right? What is yeah, it? it's all just like non-binary, gender non- queer. It's I just it's all like I don't know whatever, however you read it. I I really appreciate that, and I feel totally safe, and I appreciate I can feel you making me feel safe. But and whenever I have transgender people or or gender queer people, and I always say dude, and I realize in those moments I'm like I call everyone dude. That's not the mm-hmm. most interesting thing that's happening here, though. <laughs> you you were just talking about refresh my memory. You're talking oh swearing. Sometimes I'm like. The Bible, I I remember seeing a headline that your Christian album has the explicit lyrics thing on it. And I'm like, you think the Bible wouldn't have an explicit lyrics thing on it? Our religion is predicated on the murder of a naked, skinny, bleeding Jewish man, like who is bled out on a cross. That doesn't sound PG to me. Also, have you cracked Genesis? Have you cracked collecting foreskins for King David, literally collecting foreskins of your fallen- 200. 200. Oh my God, you knew the verse. <laughs> that is incredible. Or Abraham gonna murder his son or offering your daughters to be raped. Or, I mean, like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And the fact that we've turned it into a faith of winning and politeness and niceness and clean cleanliness is absurd. Jesus is so in it. He's so, he's a, God is a participator in all of it, in the mm-hmm. ugliness, in the nakedness, in the brokenness. It's one of my favorite things. I, I get all worked up about this stuff, but like when you're suffering, God is, isn't watching you suffer. You are God's suffering. You are God's suffering. Somehow that is, God is participating in that. And that to me is so much of what the cross represents. And it, and to take that and to steam clean it so many times over that you and I at our age are still talking about our mom saying shit sometimes and thinking that that's what it was about. Yeah. 
is insane. Or just how how all of this was framed by convention. You know, when you when you think about what do you wear to church, it, it, what are we going off of what it says in the Bible, or are you going off of like what's polite in your hometown? Because that looked really different for where my wife grew up in Raleigh versus I grew up in Waterloo, Belgium. So that that's totally just convention. And furthermore, when we talk about purity, so girls are hammered especially, but guys as well with purity culture and all of that toxic shit. It's not even worth getting into. But we framed it as like sexual purity. Why isn't it just about purity of heart and purity of spirit and how we can talk about that? You know, we've just made it into what makes us and our little human like western white western beings just feeling uncomfortable that's what it that's what it is it's not really we're and and when we do that we box in divinity in this way that will always dissatisfy well that will always be searching yeah jesus drew a crowd jesus drew a crowd he was popular paul again calls it salt and light flavor and illumination these are these are welcoming energies these are alive and vibrant energies when you get in touch with your true identity which is a beloved child of the mystery we don't even have to say god of the mystery you belong here you're not a stranger here and that goes for everyone that you see that is inviting and that's exciting mm-hmm. and it's and it's interesting um go on did you, it felt like i sort of interrupted you. well you know it's interesting when you say when you say popular because i feel like you know are you familiar with like hillsong and the celebrity pastors and churches and that whole not really well because i think they would argue that they are very popular because they do draw very big crowds however their theology when you really get down to it they they try and stay very vague because they do have a lot of celebrity attendees and it's not good politics um Mm -hmm. if a lot of the stuff got out but more and more it is getting out that they're none of them are affirming none of those churches you can get married as a queer person none of them you can mm-hmm. serve in leadership as a queer person however they because they look at like okay instagram aesthetics are doing really well so let me frame my sermon so that it can be a reel so it can be like 15 seconds long and very shareable very clickable we are gaining in popularities i think how they would feel about it um, but vice versa, I also think that we're seeing people who have kind of gone through deconstruction or people who are embracing a more, I'd say like holistic, inclusive, affirming, liber- liberating approach and justice approach to theology and faith. We are also gaining in popularity. Mm. I think that I think that the 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 popularity of it all is so tricky because it's so easy to like game the system through social media these days. It's so easy to like play into that hand. But really, what is the lasting fruit is what I'm looking at because we have a lot of stories, a lot of exposes of people leaving Hillsong, of people's experience with Hillsong, of pastors being exposed. We're kind of in the early stages of what deconstruction looks like because for many of us, like I've only started finding these circles and finding affirming sermons, it's like only the past four years that I've really seen more and more spaces. We we have yet to see what the fruit is, but what we know is that at least, at least right now, there are no boundaries on people, on humanity. We're not, we're not trying to strip people of belonging in the same way that the Hillsong, the church homes, like all those places are doing. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is not me like speculate. It's not gossip. Like that's, it's well-documented for queer people. I, I think that 
celebrities that attend would say, no, my church loves everyone. And that's again, like someone slapping you in the face and being like, I love you. Mm. So it's, it's their policy. Or kicking them into hell and being like, I love you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, our, love our, you so much. Hang our out there. perverted <laughs> version of love is an extension of our, you know, sort of skewed, warped version of the of the alcoholic dad that's going to kick you into a frame. It's like you. It's like the guy from you, the, the show on Netflix. Mm, I thought you meant it, me. I'm like, I, I don't want to kill anybody. Be, I haven't seen it's you. Like you. <laughs> it's like you. You are that abusive comedian. Oh, no. Edit um, this out. Um, no, it's the, basically the show on Netflix. The guy um, it becomes obsessed with uh, a love interest and we hear his inner monologue is like i love you so much i'm gonna make sure this works out but spoiler alert when it doesn't work out he tries to entrap these people he stalks them it's Mm -hmm. it's a very toxic love but in his inner monologue it is love that's right um but it's not true true love does engage with free will and when someone tells you this is who i am this is how i i was created to be it's not loving to say, no, it's not. You're wrong. Well, this is what, you know, like we've conflated uh, love and liking a lot. And you have a lyric where you're like, Jesus loves you. I'm just not sure he likes you, which I love that. And one of my passions is making the distinguishment between love and like. And we, Jesus said to love your neighbor, but he didn't say like your neighbor. And I think that's really important because I've made this point many times, but like, Again, you hate Kathy. She's a close talker. She's a space invader. She has halitosis. She's telling you the same joke every time you see her. You don't like Kathy. And guess what? That's okay. When when we talk about loving people, we think we have to wind ourselves up and be like, but Kathy's a great driver. She's really good at driving. Find something you like about Kathy and lean into that. That's (laughs) nonsense. That's not the truth. That's not the real. The real, like the love that I'm talking about that gets very, 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 very unconcerned with your gender identity or your sexuality or whether or not you swear or whether or not you believe in the same uh, books that I believe in is when you know who you are, when you know that you are God's love. I'm talking about your true self. Not Pete. I'm not Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes, I'm pretending to be Pete Holmes. Talk about the animating spark in me that Mm -hmm. is love, that's always chosen yes to all things. The deeper I can drop into that, I'm not thinking I love you. I just am being love. It's not an intellectual thing, but we don't know what to do. Next thing you know, you have an accountability partner saying I should get away from you. Yeah. And, and, and uh, And you have people whipping themselves and saying, I'm pretty sure my church is pro-gay. It's all, if, if religion isn't servicing you figuring out your true identity, which is awareness itself, which is a little piece of God and a little piece of God is God, then it's junk religion. And, and that's a quote from Richard Gore, who's a Franciscan. So write your hate mail to him. I'm just kidding. Don't bother. Don't bother. Don't Richard. bother. Write it. Write it to me. Right. I'll take. <laughs> it's Barnabas take at AOL.com. <laughs> I cannot believe that that was. Wow. There's so many weird Christian things that I'm sure. Like I used to have to make mixtapes for girls when I liked them, and I only had Christian music, and so it was my. It was like my goal to make sure that they did not know that it was Christian music. I had to listen to songs and make sure it didn't sound so weird 
because all of it is about like loving. There's a song by DC Talk called Consume Me, um, which I was like, yeah, I want our love to like be consuming. Like, (laughs) um, and I would have to just make, I would just be like, don't look up any of these indie bands. Don't look them up. Don't look them up. Just enjoy the CD for what it is and never look up any of these bands. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you who they are. Some two of my dear friends, we're still friends. We've been friends since college, would sing worship music to each other because if you take Jesus out of it and sing it to a person it is romantic I would yeah. give my dying breath to know you and all that sort of stuff it's it's trade yeah romantic. it's a game you play it on we'd play it on like youth group buses it'd be like Jesus or boyfriend and you'd read a lyric and you'd have to decide if it was a secular song for a boyfriend or a girlfriend or if it was for Jesus wow I'd be very yeah. bad at that tell me yeah. you you said something very interesting earlier which is and I, I went through a similar experience. So I want you to feel uh, safe and seen. But you said you had repressed memories from the church. So you thought it was normal. And yeah. then slowly realized it wasn't. What were the things that you were remembering, piecing back? I think the, first of all, so you had repressed memories before? I wouldn't call them re- uh, classically, truly repressed. Uh, I don't want to claim that. I will say that it took me a while to figure out for example, I've said many times that I had to come out as straight just because my sexuality was so shamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was normal. And then when I met other people and they were like, no, we're all just fucking each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to say it was repressed. Yours were true, like psychological Yeah, it was repressed. over, well, one specifically. And then a lot of other kind of what you were saying, there were other things too, where I would just revisit things that I remembered already but under a new light or I would just kind of remember sometimes we turn off our emotions in a memory and some of that over quarantine when I just got back from doing this Nashville episode on Christian music it just really came flooding through for me and um, there's one memory that came back very specifically and the thing with a repressed memory is if you've never thought about it again since the inciting moment since it happened it kind of comes back to you like you're, it's a very weird, almost a time travel-y, it makes you really consider that time is not linear, but we just experience it a certain way, because mm-hmm. it can really kind of feel like in a science fiction way, for me at least, poof, like I'm back there in the tent, is kind of how it happened for me. Wow. Wow. And it was this memory at a youth mission trip, I was probably 14 or 15, and, I di- and I'd known, I'd known I was different since I was maybe four. I'd always want to play the husband, and I always would slick my hair back in the shower to make it look like I had short hair. <laughs> but I didn't know I w- that it was gay, that it was like, that's what it was, until I was around 13 or 14. So I was like really starting to figure this out. And I went to a, a youth m- mission trip camp, and the singer um, sang, and before, she'd been singing like, worship songs that we'd known that we would all sing along to and then she did sing one original song and before she sang the original song she's maybe 17 or 18 I think so she she felt very old to me at the time but I don't she wasn't very old she introduced it and saying that this was a song that she'd written about because of something she was going through with her friend and she was very inspired by the story of David and Jonathan which um I'm sure you're familiar with that story of I'm trying to blank so David and John I'm gonna butcher it but basically it is kind of like a, a queer romance um, in the Bible. It will never be like, you'll never hear people think about it that way, but it's basically these uh, close friends and one of them has to send the other one away because their love is like too distracting from God. 
is, and I'm really probably butchering that story, but that's like the crux of it is that they cannot be together. I wish I knew how to quit you at any point. Is that biblical? Um, (laughs) It's real close. There's like a quote that's like, I wish if only, like my love for you is too strong. It's like the Bible broke back. Like broke back Bible. Broke back Bible. Um, so she introduces a song being like, and it's called, the song was called like with the heart of Jonathan, I think. Um, she's like sending this person away. Um, and then at the end of the song, and so the whole, the whole youth, it's probably like 70 or 80 kids and youth leaders were all like singing it. I remember being so moved by the song. I can still hear the melody in my head. And then at the end of the song, um, they, I don't know exactly how it happened, but basically the guy youth leaders and the girl youth leaders were like, we're going to divide um, the, whenever they split up the girls and the guys get ready for something weird. And they're like, we're going to split up the girls and the guys and the guys went outside and the girls stayed in the tent. And then the singer was like having a tough time of it. And she was like asking the, one of the youth leaders was like, do you need prayers? Like we need urgent prayers. Like let's go and urgently pray for this girl. And so we all like gathered around her and we're like praying over her and she's crying and she's just performed the song. And it's like really, really heavy and I didn't know her but I'd already like kind of looked up to her and so it was very weird to see someone like that in a vulnerable state we started praying and then I remember like I I remembered the praying but I didn't remember that it was because she was gay Mm. and that's what came back to me like I I all of a sudden I'm like like in the tent and I remembered the that it was like that she's gay and I'm like getting emotional now thinking about it because I remember being 14 and being like I'm not fucking coming out you know like I'm basically being like it doesn't realizing you're gay for me, it, you know, I actually had part of my sexual awakening was watching Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge and that didn't feel bad. Moulin Rouge is an amazing movie. And so I was like, wow. Like I was like, Nicole, I love you. Didn't feel bad. But then very shortly after I like shame was introduced of like being in this circle and being over this girl that I thought was like just the coolest girl ever and realizing like, oh, I guess she's actually broken. And I guess that means I'm broken. And like all these people are crying and everyone's so sad about her being gay. And like, what does that mean for me? Everyone's going to be so sad. Mm. And like Nicole Kidman is never going to date me and it sucks. <laughs> like, this is... Oh, go ahead. No, just that, like it was, you know, and, and that's that was like the strongest of the like memories that's like come back. Mm. Um, and then there were just other like conversations that I didn't think of at the, like, I just didn't, I just wanted to, I think my teenage self just wanted to blow past it. And then when I had time on my hand um, and I felt I've been very stable for, there've been times in my life where I haven't been, felt very stable. It all just like came back. And I was, it was almost like my brain was like, okay, you're ready now. Have mm. fun. Mm. Um it's wow that's a lot (laughs) I mean that story is a lot and I think it's interesting that both your good gay uh story is tied to music and your bad gay story was tied to music both but like to have someone perform something beautiful that came from this feeling or this experience and then emergency prayer let's fix them I'm just trying to I feel like that would entrench you even more into it as a, as a creative person. Like if I watched someone do comedy and they were like, and I'm gay. And then everyone was like, swarm, swarm, swarm him. I would be like, not only is uh, being gay wrong or whatever I am wrong, 
but also like music isn't safe. Like you can do music and you're still, they still yeah. like get you. The first songs I ever wrote when I was around, it also, you know, coincides with realizing I was queer. I used pronouns. It was really, there's actually like one of the first songs I ever wrote was the, the title of the song was the middle name of the girl I was in love with. Like it was really specific and explicit mm. and I hadn't really considered this until now so it's interesting you bring it up but following that experience I didn't use pronouns in my songs for probably a decade and I also like didn't I didn't that's why I started wanting to go into stand-up because I wanted I've always loved performing and entertaining but it didn't feel safe to do so with with my music you know Mm -hmm. Um, and it's only been, it's only been very recent that I've been able to, that I felt comfortable to share pronouns and just to write, like say what I fucking mean. Yeah. Um, because I just didn't see that representation. And I certainly didn't see that representation in Christian music or in any of the bands that I was listening to. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really wild. And, and sort of, I mean, when, when it, because of the pronoun stuff, it made me think, when did the, the non-binary thing come into play? I'm also curious how your parents took you being like, it seems, I don't know, maybe it should have been obvious. I mean, your brother had known for years and mm -hmm. did they see it coming? And then when did the non-binary thing? Well, so coming out for me was so much, just being like, I'm attracted to women, I'm gay, was a lot easier than anything gendered. In fact, as I was coming out to people, I remember I had so much internalized stuff that I would be like, I'm gay, but don't worry. I'm never going to be like that gay. I'm never going to cut my hair or anything like that. And my friends would be like, no one actually brought up cutting your hair. Like no one's thinking you keep bringing this up. Do you want to cut your hair? And I'd be like, Yes. This is your stand up all <laughs> yeah. over again. Yeah. You were um, you were the Kristen Wiig character that was like, I'm going to cut my hair and just be really kind of uh, mask. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think you want to <laughs> do it. Don't, don't make me cut my hair. Don't make me be butch. I would never. Don't make me. Don't make me only buy men's clothing. What? That'd be weird. I'm going to go in the men's section as a bit. As a bit. <laughs> This um, is my, one of my favorite onion headlines. I can't remember it exactly, but it's so, it feels very Christian. It was like, um, roommate keeps insisting we watch this hilarious <laughs> porno. And I was like, that is, you needed some other way into sexuality and porn. You had to be like, this porn was so funny. <laughs> like yeah. then you could watch it That's or it was so true like the costumes are insane and it's like just say you're horny and you wanted to yeah. watch naked people just be honest with me um, oh, God, that's yeah. so true yeah, yeah so um so I I was coming out for I started coming out I don't know from like teenager until it wasn't like a uh, Thanksgiving dinner I'm out everybody knows it was like a slow burn mm. um and my parents were the last people I came out to. And by that time, well, my technically my grandparents were the last people I came out to, but anyway, um, it was around the same time. And uh, I told my dad and he was like the easiest person I've ever come out to. He was like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm so happy for you. And at the time I was just so relieved that it had gone well, that I didn't even, I didn't test that. I like didn't push it at all. Now, he and I have talked extensively about like, wait a second. I'm like, dad, you always would have been fine. Always. 
wow, I wish I could have talked to you about so much more, not like dating stuff, but I wish I, I wish I'd known that I could have told him about what had happened on that youth trip and been like, that was wrong. These people need to be like reprimanded. They should not be serving in youth leadership. That was not okay. But I didn't know that. So they were fine. I'm not trying to be emotional. Yeah. You needed help. Yeah. That's we all, anyone would have needed help in that situation. Just, I think just, just an, to, to have known that there were allies in leadership, I didn't know. I knew that my, I had good friends. I have good friends um, and they have stuck by me. And then with regards to gender, my parents are really sweet and they just printed out a glossary of terms and they put it on the fridge and they highlighted and my mom will, Shut it's, up. yeah, I'm my mom will, die. yeah, my die. mom will call me and she's like, sweetheart, I was just looking at trans non-binary and I think that's you. And I'm like, well, I don't know. That's, you know, I'm not really there yet. That's not really how I identify. And she's like, well, the definition is pretty clear to me. And I'm like, well, that's not really how that works. <laughs> um, but she, <laughs> she's done a lot of work. Um, but that is, I mean, I don't know your mom, but that sounds like love. Like what, like I yes. was saying, more new ways to love, new, 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 just new. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yes, and yes, and yes. I mean, and safe and safe and safe. Yeah, I think that's been, you know, it did take a while for the the whole record is called Late Bloomer. It took a while for me to get comfortable with myself. I wasn't born into a world where people like me are received with open arms and it takes a little bit of work to get here, but I've gotten here and I am really, really, really blessed that when I told my parents who I am and every step along the way that they've just been like, we love you. That's, that is different. Like non-binary. And my dad, unfortunately, he claims, he like claims the term. He's like, well, I'm, I'm cis, just a cis guy. I'm like, that's fine. Why are we saying it so much? He's like, well, there should be like pride for cis men. I'm like, well, now we're, see, we've gone too far. We've like overshot the runway, but I appreciate it. And I do feel. Your dad's going to go to Boston for the straight pride parade. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, no. like everybody like, yeah. come on. um but i'm i'm just so fortunate in that regard that there that we can talk about everything now even though we got such a late start to these conversations and that yeah. it's that that you know they're open to learning and that they're trying and that that is that is love that is i feel so such an abundance of like love and a desire to support me and to understand but also i think to surrender when there are things that I experience that they will never understand and that that's okay. And it doesn't make it less real. I think that's a big part of, that's something I really admire about my parents is being like, I will never know what binding is like, or what going through TSA and getting searched all the time, because it's a whole thing with TSA, but, um, is it? but it does. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, okay. So body scanners, if you are OMG, like, yeah, of so, course. Yeah, so they always put like a they put a either guy or girl on the button, and this is no fault to TSA agents. This is their lot in life, but I'll always get they'll always put a dude for me, and then I go through, and obviously my boobs ping, but I wear a binder, so it's like basically like a very tight sports bra. Again, for modesty. Um, no, it's for gender dysphoria. But what if it was for modesty? Um, <laughs> but, Couldn't it be both? <laughs> Couldn't it be? <laughs> like, where's my credit? <laughs> um, You're so, so modest. 
so temperate too. I don't want any like any a hint, a whisper of cleavage. No. You will not find on me. No. Um, and and so I go through TSA, and then my boobs will go off, and they have to like search my boobs, and it's a whole like wait. Thing. They go to... off because when you're going in, they have to choose a gender. Yeah, and they choose guy typically when they look at me, especially with like a mask on. And then, and I am like, again, those are their options. And then I go through and then my boobs go off. And so it seems like I'm storing something like on my chest. Yeah. And so they have to be like, they do the whole thing. And yeah, yeah. I've explained what a binder is to many TSA agents, um, which is fun. It's, I mean, I have a pretty, I'm pretty easygoing. And so I think it's actually, it's way more uncomfortable for them than it is for me. Cause I'm just like, yeah. So like, this is, we just need to normalize gender. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as if being at the airport doesn't take long enough already, you have to give a Ted talk. <laughs> yeah. When we would do, when we were filming the show, when we were filming state of grace, there was in production, we would build in an extra like 30 to 40 course, minutes for me course. to go through TSA. Yeah. Queer lag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the technical term. <laughs> I we I have, build that in for gay reasons. Sorry, I'm running gay. <laughs> so we're running a little gay. I'll be there in 30 minutes. <laughs> Give them 30 minutes to establish boobs. Oh boobs God. have been established. All right, is, Grace is moving through. Yeah, there that we go. This is too much. And it makes me think of Shakespeare in Love, where she binds her breast, remember? Yeah, I was so jealous. Right. That was definitely an eye-opening thing. I was like, wait, we can, but you shouldn't do it. If anyone's listening, do not do it with ace bandages. Actually, safe binding is very important. That's what so you, just be aware. Like a circulation thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I for mean, your I'm, ribs, I, you look, can like I, crack your ribs. I cut my hand and my hand will turn purple if I leave these uh binding hands. Yeah. Things. I'm just trying to relate. Like I get you, it. There you go. You're binding your hand. You gotta keep those, gotta keep those mittens bound, baby. You don't well, want I have people... hand boobs. I have hand boobs. What I had I had the next thing. I'm not gonna forget. Oh, sorry. You're, no, no, no. You probably know it too. What were we just talking about? We got riffing and we were it talking was about TSA. TSA. It was my mom and my and parents are very loving and they believe my experiences, even if they seem very different for them. dad is very, he's a proud boy. And uh, he's a proud, he's a proud boy. <laughs> my um, right-wing extremist father who also loves the gays. That's so funny. Well, it's gone. I had something, but it's gone and it doesn't matter. And it's okay. We, I do this thing. I wonder if you relate. I get even though I loved talking about spirit and religion or, or whatever you want to call it, I sometimes, I've noticed in the past few episodes, if I'm talking to you about, I want to like, especially someone who's spiritual, I'll try to put words in their mouth so they can agree because I don't want them to embar- embarrass themselves or make me feel uncomfortable. So instead of doing that, <laughs> I'm going to try really hard. I, I want to know what you believe now not not to put it on the record or to you know end the debate it sounds like you're pretty on the record already just as a, as a as a spirit to a spirit what what do you make of all this um what do you make of jeez sweet baby jeez sweet baby jeez think of the place for religion do you have a practice do you afterlife whatever what do you got Okay, well, I do not have any answers. And I hope that that's clear, because I do think that with the 
success that I've been so fortunate to receive with my music. Sometimes I think people think I have landed somewhere and I don't feel that way. I haven't landed, but here's what I know is that I found find so much comfort in prayer and the language that was taught to me to express an understanding for mystery and divinity is Jesus language. And again, there was just no choice in that for me, but I've made peace with that. I experience God as peace. And I think that there's precious few of that day to day, but when you experience it, I think it's undeniable. I believe that every person is an image bearer and it will sort of be the, the challenge of our lifetime to look for that in every person we meet as best as we can. I think that there's something beyond this life. I think that that think that there is a great love for everyone. And I think that will look really different depending on depending on culture and experience. Um, and I grew up in a liturgical Christian practice. So that feels comfy for me when I go to churches. But I also love experiencing traditions totally outside of my own. And I think that if we understand God as love, then that is universal and can be experienced in so many different ways. And I'm endlessly curious to find out how that is manifested in the lives of people around the world. I I know my lane and I can't change that. I've again I'm really okay with with that I pray to Jesus, but I'm really curious who other people are praying to and and how that informs them to be more loving and what that spiritual practice is. And that's what I am trying to figure out. And is that a good answer? How do people answer the question of life on your podcast? Oh, you were on mute that whole time. Um, (laughs) I I didn't hear a word of that, but uh, I could tell you're talking and I didn't want to interrupt. No, it was wonderful. Um, So many, many thoughts. One to clarify terms, when you say prayer, what do you, what do you mean by that? Freestyles, liturgy? I, I freestyle for sure. Dear Jesus? Um, um, I we, do say Jesus. Jesus question mark? You don't know if he's available. Yeah, he could be busy. <laughs> um, he could have other things going on. I know I, I would say, I would say Jesus in my brain it's kind of like a diary a prayer to me is like a diary entry to the to the unknown um and there's some things that are just sort of habitual my mom used to always say a little prayer when she would find like a good parking spot and I sometimes do that too just because I think that gratitude in our daily practice is a good thing and if that sounds like a prayer then that's what it sounds like. Um, but I also like, I've experienced God at like, oh gosh, this is so annoying. It's so LA. I've experienced God at like raves before and um, who asked it really? Of course, of course. And yeah, so I, I think that, that like there have been moments of like meditation at really loud music shows before. Well, well mindlessness or thoughtlessness, meaning you transcend your ego I think that's what a lot of people are doing 
at concerts and at movies, to be honest. Yeah. One of the things that's wonderful about a movie is if it really captures you, you're not you for a while. You just are the witnessing presence of the camera, which is a spiritual experience. You're a, a disembodied, floating, genderless, ageless, raceless, observing presence, which is mm. a deeply spiritual experience. It sounds like a vision quest or something. And yeah. that's what you can be. That's why I still love going to the theater and getting COVID. Um, no, just like yeah. Nicole Kidman in that AMC commercial. Nicole yes! Kidman loves it too. <laughs> Looking great, by the way. Looking great. Looking great, Nicole. My girl. <laughs> What about, um, well, at the rave, were you on drugs? I'm only asking because I've had very profound God experiences on drugs. Wasn't on drugs. I might've been drinking, but it was the first time that me and the other queer kid from high school, I don't even know if we were out to each other, but like we knew if that makes sense. <laughs> the very first time we heard Lady Gaga played at a club in Brussels and no one, she wasn't that big yet. And so hearing her, and she's such a beacon of hope for the queer community. I mean, that's, of course. And uh, she was then as well. And so hearing her on loudspeakers for the first time, it was like she was going to make it. And I remember he and I caught eyes across the dance floor. And we just like saw each other. And we like grabbed each other's faces. Because it was just so like, it was almost like if she's going to make it, then maybe we could make it, you oh, know? And so I remember... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. That was like, wow, like if Lady, Lady Gaga is going to get played on big speakers, yeah. so we're going to get out of high school yeah. and we're going to be okay. And so I remember that as like a very like, just, we weren't, I, we, I like each other, but we weren't especially close and neither of us were like out at least to each other. And so it was this very weird, almost out of body of like the song came on, it was poker face. I know this story sounds annoying if you like don't like gay people, but if you do, you should love it. And then like, we no just found listening. <laughs> no one's like, let's see what the enemy is up to. And they listen to my <laughs> podcast for reconnaissance like <laughs> to report like back thinking. to the Masonic Lodge hate group. <laughs> oh, Pete said God is in everyone this week. <laughs> And they throw a machete at my face on a dartboard. That's true. I guess you are, you do not have many I hope haters. Not. So I don't think great. so. But if you are, I'm glad, I'm proud of you for coming outside of your <laughs> comfort zone and seeing uh, what yeah. this looks like. And uh, anyway, that was a godly yes. moment. That was a very holy memory for me. You just reminded me, Val and I uh, went to Mexico. Remember when we all thought the quarantine was over and we just... <laughs> We all like yeah. went to Mexico. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. We were just like, okay, we we all got vaccinated and we're like, let's go on a trip. The plane was packed. Every resort was sold out. It was sort of a glorious little blink there. Not not that we're completely locked down, but you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And we went on this um, whale shark excursion. I didn't even know what a whale shark was. I still don't. Yeah, it's exactly what you're picturing. It's a shark. It's a whale. First and foremost, whale is the headliner. <laughs> Okay. That looks like a shark. <laughs> okay. So I'll just leave you with that. Not, not a scary shark, like a friendly shark, like a baby shark, do, 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 like yeah. a friendly shark. Okay. But the size of a whale. So the size of a bus and it's a shark and it's a whale and it doesn't eat people. It eats like algae in the water. Oh, so it's a silly shark. It's a silly shark. Oh, he does okay. bits. He does okay. lots of bits about wanting to be more mask and butch. It's really weird. I think I think the shark wanted to identify as a whale. Yeah, yeah, it's a trans it was, shark. It yeah. was waiting for us to tell yeah. 
them that that was okay. It was, mm-hmm. it, was it was you doing stand up in the early yeah. 2000s. Is this okay? <laughs> um, here we go. The guy, I don't want to assume he was gay, but anyone uh, with the human senses would be like, this is a gay man who's leading our um, our excursion. Um, evidenced by the fact that he was blasting. He had to pick us up at like 6 a.m. And he was yeah. blasting, not just Britney Spears, but a live Britney Spears like bootleg, oh. um, which didn't sound good. She was clearly dancing and exerting herself and rolling well, around. Okay, that's spoken by heterosexual ears. Maybe it didn't sound good to you. I'm sure I'd be living for it. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful and well put. So this this van that's going on this whale shark excursion is filled with a very interesting cross-section spanning many resorts on this, uh, where we were in, um, uh, what's it called, Cancun. So this very Midwestern family got in looking like one of the kids was definitely in the military. Um, I love these people, by the way. It was one of those great little bottle episodes of my life where I was yeah. hanging out with people that I might not agree with politically, but there we were eating the free, you know, chips, you know, like- Yeah, and you're on a boat. And we're on a boat and we're all kind of worried for our lives. So like a lot of stuff goes out of the way just for safety reasons. And I ended up bonding with a lot of them and and having a great time. But, you know, it was a mixed bag. You couldn't assume that on the issues we would all vote the same way. And here's our gay leader. I'm assuming uh, he was gay. He was a gay man. He blasted Born This Way and was singing along in like a very beautiful and on pitch falsetto and then turned it down. And from the shotgun front row seat, turned around and gave like a huge, the only thing to call it is what it was, was a sermon on how we're all uh, children of God and that we all deserve love. And he didn't, he never said gay people deserve love. But I mean, we're like born this way is now bumping. (laughs) We're still at like six on the dial. It's still pretty loud. He's yelling over it. And I was like, this matters. You know what I mean? I was like, he took us out to swim with whale sharks. Our hearts are open to the earth to nature and to one another. And he's like, while you're open, I'm going to play Lady Gaga, which I had never heard at that volume. Mm. And Val and I were a little misty-eyed. It was a very beautiful experience. Again, I'm just trying to relate to that guy, right? Uh, Born This Way? Yeah, that is Gaga. It's not LGG. What if I was like, um, that is Celine Dion. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a little embarrassed, but I'd be, I'd get over it. Um, no, yeah, that's, I I think that moments like that are the, a a Christian perspective would be like, that's just the world. Like, that's just the heart is deceitful. You're interpreting that you're living for the world. But I believe that our hearts are, we are created, we were created for love and that God is love. And so that when we experience those moments where you're like, I'm in the middle of nowhere on this boat with these people, I will never see again, this strange assortment. There are whale sharks that abound and I'm listening to Born This Way by Lady Gaga. And yet in this moment, I'm experiencing something that's telling me to pause and be still and to listen to our fearless gay captain's message of love and acceptance and of course that would strike you in that place that also we receive God because that is God. They're one and the same. And I think that 
we, it's part of the growth for me has been accepting that being like that moment that I remember so clearly with this guy from high school wasn't just a fluke sort of like ah fun funsy moment there's That's a right. reason why it why it sticks out and why it kind of like lights my heart a little bit on fire is because like in that moment there was hope there was resilience there was love there was gaga and like that there it, and that maybe maybe it's possible that god works through people and that god works through moments to extend that that hope and extend that for kids, two kids that felt really weird in high school, that we could just find each other for just a moment, just grab each other's faces and be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that there's God in that and, and not to feel ashamed or that it's so silly and out of bounds. I'm like, okay, well, if God can speak through the same three chords of a worship song, you're telling me that, that no Gaga, obviously that brilliant musical genius. Yeah. She's exempt, though, for sure. That's right. That's it. I, I, I love that so much. You know, it's interesting. I feel I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. That gender. I relate so hard to the movie Moonlight, even though I am not a gay man. And I relate so hard to the show Transparent, even though I am not a transgendered woman. And I think there's something going on, spiritually speaking, where we're all going like this isn't who I am. This isn't what I am, really, deep mm -hmm. down. I have a deeper identity. It's Harry Potter, it's any fairy tale, realizing that their parents are wizards. Your parents are is God. Your parent mm -hmm. is magic. Like, your parents aren't really your parents. You are a child of, in Harry Potter's case, wizards. In our case, the divine. And that is the awakening that we're here to have. And of course, it's happening in van rides after seeing whale sharks. It's happening while swimming with whale sharks. We forget ourselves and we become not thinking about love, we become love. We're not saying yes to the whale shark. Our hearts are exploding yes for the whale shark or the hike or the sex or the music or the quiet or the mm -hmm. silence or whatever it might be. I, I, I just wonder if you, do you feel that parallel I remember Eckhart Tolle said he felt that, have you read The Power of Now? I hope you have. You got to put that on your list too. I have this a lot is, of books I got to read. I'm sorry. This is great. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to ask that you move mine to the top though. Okay. I'm just, I I'm will. just kidding. <laughs> I represent JK. I'm Pete Splaining. But The Power of Now is such an important book. And he, he actually posits that um, gay people might have an advantage because they don't fit in and they, and that, that tension causes them to do more thorough introspection into their identity than say just a regular good old boy, ham and egg, hash brown, heterosexual white male might have. Do you see any parallel between the, the oh, totally. self identity and the spiritual identity? Well, I used to think that my queerness and how I was created was something that I would have to work against my whole life, that it was just always going to be a struggle that I would always have this burden of who I am, sexuality, gender, presentation, all of it. That was like a literal cross to bear. Yeah. And now I really view it as such a blessing. I view my queerness as such an absolute blessing in my life. And I'm so thankful that I've gotten to this point. And I think that just to what you were saying, I have had to dismantle everything that was just assigned at me 
Mm. There's all this stuff that was just assigned at me and none, almost none of it's fit. <laughs> almost none of it fit. And that's not my parents' fault. Um, and it's not, there's no one, it's not any one specific person's fault. It's just that I was born into a system that just says that you are this way or you are this way and your life goes this way and your life goes this way. And depending on the, your, your race or class or the part of the country that you were born into, um, that, that would look a little bit differently, but pretty much it's going to stay in this lane. And I was introduced to this lane and so early on. I was like, but I'm, you know, I'm driving, I don't know, like a mini Cooper in this monster truck lane. And I'm like, I think this is a bad fit. And they're like, make it work. Just figure it out. Why don't you just get bigger? Have you tried getting bigger tires on your mini Cooper? Why don't you just get rims on your mini? And I'm like, no, it's just going to, it's going to break. The car is going to break. My car is like, I I have to find something else. There's got to be something else. Mm. And that for me was embracing this innate sense of, of personhood, which does present itself as a queer person. My wife presents as someone you'd think of as very like heteronormative, whatever that means, but she's had her own internal things to, to work through. And both of us have come to the conclusion that our queerness, we is such, is such a superpower almost because everything around us, it's like, I don't know, this is kind of annoying too, but it, it is a little bit like you see the matrix. You're like, Oh, this whole, whole time I've been biting my tongue. Time. Yes. Like the whole time, these are just rules that someone made up. They're just rules. You don't can have I to wear a dress to church. You don't have to wear tight. All this stuff. Amen. Can I get an amen? I'm freaking out. I'm freaking yeah. out. Please keep going. I'm just saying amen. I'm loving it. That's pretty, I mean, that's kind of what it what it feels like is just you you see now that there that these ways of being were just prescribed to you, that they were just sort of this one size fits all. There was no introspection into how it would work and how it would serve people. There was no, no one asked me, there was no question. It was just assigned at me and breaking out once you, it's like, it's so scary to take that first step and coming out is so scary. And it is an act of courage. You don't know what's on the other side of it, but you come out and then it's like little by little, you it's, it's, you're just one by one kind of the dominoes start to fall and you just can kind of see all around you what's left and the, the beautiful thing is that it can be it can be really painful and there are some things that will fall that will never be recovered and there are going to be days that you feel just like your spirit is like totally broken but overwhelmingly for me I have been very fortunate that as I sort of look up as everything's sort of fallen back as I look up there are people standing with me you know there are loved ones who have who have stood the test who have who have stood firmly in their love for me they're like we're gonna we're gonna walk with you through this we're joining you we're in we're what's the what is it the, we're red pilled actually i think that they the right wing has reclaimed that so that's scary but like they no, were like red, we're red, red pillars wake <laughs> up from the matrix yeah but like we're 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 with you on this journey like we want to stand with you and that's been the, i feel like we're red pilled <laughs> I, I, I just got your joke that the the, the right wing took it yeah and was, again yeah. my my dad is absolutely going to listen to this podcast because he loves your comedy and so I've he's gonna be like that i was like i hope he likes it yeah he's gonna be like uh somewhere just a little a slight a little thing um i'm on i think we have presented me as a right wing extremist oh my god I did come the Proud Boy. Show. that was a joke that was a joke it's a I, joke. I, I get so starstruck with the clergy. I've been thinking about your dad. 
this whole time and I was like I hope he likes my theology <laughs> it's so stupid oh, he's gonna I'm sure my he's a very sweet and emotional man he's probably gonna call me crying he's, oh um yeah because he loves your he loves your comedy so that's so cool I love that can I tell you a couple things that that beautiful thing you just said made me think of sure one is when someone thinks that you're I forget when you said it but you were like being too living for the world. I just talking about all those things that are assigned to you. It's just so interesting to me that if you are straight and you know holding down a job, paying taxes, liking barbecue, enjoying the Super Bowl, no one will ever accuse you of living for the world because you're living for the world in the ghost way. I looked at your ghost again. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the illusion is so thick that there are people in it accusing other people of being in an illusion so thick in the illusion that they would never imagine that even their systems of freedom are keeping them in the illusion. Even their faith is just another prescribed system keeping them in the illusion, keeping them blind. I, again, I, I can't stop. A big breakthrough for me is that is that true self, false self thing. If someone is going like, I can't be with you because you're queer, they don't yet know who they are. That when Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors or whoever you want to say, it wasn't because he was thinking nice things about them. It's because he realized who he was and he realized who they were. And that is the place of of being love. I know I already said that, but he wasn't just going like, and by the way, tax collectors were like the mafia. He wasn't like, yeah, I know this guy cuts throats for the Romans, but he sure is good at backgammon. He wasn't doing that. He woke up to who he was. And what I hear you say, when all of these things were assigned to me, assigned at me, I believe is what you said. Yeah. That is why I still get so lit up about spirit. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about an awakening. And you talked about the pain in coming out, the pain in uh, claiming your gender identity, all these things. And I'm thinking about Jesus saying, unless the grain of wheat dies, it's just a grain of wheat. But if it die, if it does not die, it's just a grain of wheat. If it dies, it becomes this plant that yields all this fruit. It's this process of continually dying to who we thought we were, dying, 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 mm-hmm. dying, and waking up deeper and deeper and deeper. And the, the other thing I was going to put at you, put at you, talk with you. I remember Ram Dass, who changed my life, he, he's a teacher. He said, you don't want to be a Christian, you want to be free. He's like, you don't want to be Jewish, you want to be free. And he talked about Ramana Maharshi, who's a great Indian saint. He said, that the, the stick that you stoke the fire with Once you get the fire going, you put that stick in the fire too. Meaning Mm. your method, and you and I, for both of us, it's Jesus stuff and I love Jesus and it's great. I love Christ. The Universal Christ is also a book that I would recommend to you very highly. But at the end of the day, the vast, infinite, empty love that is in me and that is God and is everywhere Uh, is beyond label and is beyond tradition. That stick goes in the fire too. I don't want to be stuck saying you're not being a good enough Christian and I am being a good enough Christian. It all goes in the fire. It's all play. And at the end, what's left is, ah, it's just, ah. And that's that's freedom. I think about about that freedom all the time because for 
people for LGBTQ plus people, what we often hear from Christians who are not affirming is that we are we're so um, burdened um, and we're we're really repressed by our sexuality that that is what's like controlling us that and 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 truly I and I try and like express this freedom for me has been in coming out and it was painful because of the repression that again was given to me I didn't ask for it it was it was just put on me I didn't put it on myself where did it come from it came from y'all's broken theology the reason why people are starving for with regards to like LGBTQ plus people why we're starving for this freedom and this inclusion belonging is because you you have stripped it from us mm-hmm. that's why that is why I there was that feeling of, of shame and just feeling so broken and just like I didn't fit that's not God that was never from God overwhelmingly when I started coming out when I started being like okay I know why can't I just be myself? What if I just tried to be myself? Every step of the way, I felt closer to God. I felt closer to my spirituality. And they said that would never be the case. They said I'd be further from God. I'd be so starved for community. I'd be starved for belonging and love. It couldn't be further from the truth. And so when you realize for me, and you can get either literal, like like scriptural passages, or you can just talk about it in a holistic way. When you realize that you've been lied to, in this way, like, wait a second, I'm actually more free now. I'm more free. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm not doing self-destructive things anymore because I'm, I'm whole now. I'm a whole person. Once you realize that, that that was a lie, then, then you start looking at everything else. You're like, okay, what else? Let me peel back all these layers. What else have I been lied to conditioned just so that I could exist within these parameters to what? To tithe? To what? Like you wanted me, it's weird to think about like, would they have preferred, would certain people have preferred that I stayed broken, that I stayed closeted, that I never cut my hair? What would you have rathered? You like everyone knew what all the shit that I was doing in my own private life while still presenting as quote unquote, a good Christian. Would you have preferred that? Because I'm sure everyone seemed a lot more comfortable when I was doing that. And now that I'm actually healthy and I'm being myself, so now it's a problem. Now I'm, it's a problem because of my modesty. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I was actually really not that mo- like modesty wasn't because I didn't know how to dress as a girl. Like I really didn't know. I remember one time going to a dance and my friends were like, "That dress is so short," and I'd never thought about it because I didn't know how to dress. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, right. "What do I have to wear? Right. What?" And they'd like, that dress is too short. I'm like, oh, I guess. Okay, why? Because I have lady legs. Do you want to cover them up? Okay, let me go change. You know? <laughs> lady legs. Lady legs. The forthcoming also, album. Well, lady, legs. <laughs> lady, legs. lady legs. Well, I'm six feet tall. So it was like dresses in general. I'm so happy. I'm like out of there of just dresses. It just, it I'm was just a disaster. If, if, if I, if this identity was in a lady's body i would be like what do i do what do we do where yeah what and just to like i just didn't and it's just so strange to me because i feel like there are people who would say that they would that they would that that like that now i'm broken that then i was well look look to the sorry to use religious language but like look to the fruit i was thinking about this before we started talking 
is like, I'm talking to a very clear person. That's like, that's a compliment that I enjoy. Meaning your eyes are clear. You're, you're flowing. You're in the flow. And was, I'm getting all Trinitarian, but the idea- I'm in the, uh, I'm in the mix. You're, in the, you're also in the mix in a showbiz <laughs> sort of way. Um, no, but the, Richard Rohr taught me that the reason God is a Trinity is because God is relationship itself. It's like, it's this outpouring, infilling. It's, it's not stagnant. It's, it's the yearning of life itself. It's this pushing forward tidal wave of, of energy and, and novelty. And it's very exciting. And we've turned God into the worst thing. Anyway, but that tidal wave is what I'm about. And when you talk to someone who's clear and free, free, that is Jesus with the tax collector. That's a free person. Someone, and that is what draws a crowd. Someone, not that it's about drawing a crowd, but you, you're, they're attractive. You want to be with them. And when I see people who say, I can't be in your life because you're queer or non-binary or whatever it might be, or maybe it might be something you believe or, or words that you use or whatever it is. And then, and then you see, I know people that, that believe that people are going to hell, uh, that you and I, whoever, pick your group is going to hell. And I see them chasing it with huge amounts of food. And, and I, I have, I have sympathy for this and alcohol and, and, bad vibes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it's not free. If you believe that everyone that died in the Holocaust went to hell, it's going to show up in some way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, it's in your eyes. It's in your posture. It's in your laugh, your sad, shallow spray can laugh, the rattling in a spray paint can. <laughs> I don't like it. And this is, this is a very Jesus-y thing. Look to the fruit, the fruit of, of yes, the fruit of life, the fruit of the rain that hits everywhere on the earth. That leads to clear eyes and genuine smiles and real sex and real music. And I hear it in your music. I really do. I, I put it on semis. I, I'm not proud of my uh, taste in music. I, I'm often just sort of keeping it to myself. I'm a little um, spectrum-y when it comes to it. I just listen to the same things over and over, get hyper-focused on certain people. But I put your record on. Like I said, I didn't just do it for research. I listened to it, and I loved it right away. And you hear it. This is that, like, truth sets you free sort of thing. Like, Truth has a frequency, light has a frequency, spaciousness has a frequency. And I hear it, I hear it in the, in the record and I think you should be really proud. That means a lot to hear. I, I, it has felt, I think the past year, especially with songwriting that almost a veil has lifted and I do have this clarity and I have this, I almost like this insatiable desire for writing all the time. And I think within the hope that I, I feel like I'm getting at something. And so to hear that you're experiencing it that way is very heartening for me, because I think, especially with, with Preacher's Kid, it was very much like, what, am, what, what is happening? I guess I'm going to put it out. Okay. And then with Late Bloomer, I felt so much more secure of like, oh, you can do this. Like, be honest. You can do this. You should go for this. Like keep, keep going. You know, this is, this is an honest expression. This is an honest season that you're in and it's worth seeing it through and don't hold back, push yourself, get better at every instrument you play. And I'm, 
I'm very proud of all the work that myself and the two producers I worked with, how it turned out. And I'm going back into the studio early next year. And I'm very excited to just like keep going. I just really want to keep going because if you keep your mouth shut about something for so long, I mean, for me, it was like damn near 29 years. All of it, it's just pouring out of me. And I, while, while it's here, because I, I think that it does sort of feel like the spiritual thing that's happening. I just want to just express it and put it out. And I'm, again, as an independent artist, I just upload it on distrokid.com, baby. And it'll yeah. go out to Spotify. That's right. That's right. The, 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 the holiness of creativity, the like merging with a creative force that's already at play. I, I, I think that's what you're most likely experiencing. And it's really cool. And, and like you said, uh, in the same way that like coming out being difficult ends up being this really wonderful and rich blessing for me, I'm speaking for me, all of my repression and all of my weird, am I going to hell stuff ended up being this really strange gift that continues to drive me to create and to write. And it reminds me of swearing. It's like when you go so long thinking, I found my old Bible last time I went home and I, there's a verse where it says bless and do not curse, but I just underline do not curse. So stupid, missing the bless. I mean, do not. I just do not curse. I found it. I found it in black and white. Here it says do not curse. Me, as if that's what they meant. Like cursing meant the same thing. We're back to your point about how to dress modestly. But I was like, that's why I love swearing so much is every time I do it, I'm reminding my child self that grown up self is driving now. And even, even with sexuality, Val and I notice that anytime we go to a spiritual retreat, which we do like a Ramdas retreat or whatever it might be, we always come back very horny. Uh, <laughs> and it's because Val helped me realize this. It's because the part of us that associated repression and fear and being locked in a cage with God talk um, is going you're not going to lock me up again, are you? And you go, no, get sexual, say motherfucker, yeah. say piece of shit, whatever you need to tell yourself it's safe. We can talk about God without talking about locking us up in cages. And we're sort of back to where we started. So I'm excited yeah. for this season that you're in. It's really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I also just want to say that I remember distinctly watching Crashing, especially like the first season. Yeah. And it's so, it was just very cool for, to see that perspective on HBO. Um, and I think that you expressed it so well. I know it was very autobiographical for you, but just feeling like an outsider in a way that's a, it's really hard to explain um, and things that seem taboo and adjusting to kind of the real world life. Cause I totally had that when I moved to Los Angeles in yeah. ways that I didn't understand. And it was just very, a very cool show. And so, so it. much better than all the comics we had on those Christian DVDs. That so, is so, so funny. <laughs> and there we were talking about the Lord and we were on HBO. You know, yeah. funny. Well, you just made me realize I'm six foot six. When I think back about that, outsider feeling that you felt when you came to LA and that I felt in New York sort of having this weird Jiminy Cricket relationship with Jesus that I felt very sort of private about 
I wish I was smaller. Like if I could change something about crashing, it would have been great if my character was just a little bit smaller because that's how you feel. You feel yeah. almost Hobbit sized. And and the the other comics, the pirates, I, I, I say with love, but the real like the up all nighter doing nine set guys smoking cigarettes and drinking and they all, so many of them lost their virginity to prostitutes, a staggering amount. And I remember just being like, I feel tiny and they felt like Mount Rushmore. It was, but that, that was the vibe that I feel like yeah. you can relate to is, is you're just sort of like hiding. Oh yeah. Well, when I was doing stand up one time, I auditioned to be a door guy at the comedy store. It was like one of the last things I did. And I remember I did pretty well, like for my set or whatever. And I remember someone described me after one of the, the current door guys, when they were talking about who should get passed, they were like, oh, I think the like really tall lesbian should like I, I liked her set. Someone referred to me as that. And I remember which I don't it, it was just one of those things where I was still really far from who you see today mm. that it was like it was again back to like the ghost thing that I have on my wall. I hated being perceived. It was like I was one of those things where I, I thought I did well in my set. But then I heard other people yeah. talk about me and they were like this very tall lesbian at the time I was much more feminine um and i was like oh no you saw that like no i don't think stand-up is for me wait and you didn't um, you didn't talk about your sexuality they just kind of no i did i did that was oh, my, whole, my whole my whole my my whole shtick oh, right. it was that's very right. bad gay jokes just the worst i mean jokes. come on it's so yeah. uh, i could talk to you forever i don't want to take too much time i think there's an interesting sort of phenomenon when you realize if you are in a minority position whether it be physically sexually whatever it is and you're doing the jokes threading that needle of like I don't want to do the jokes that uh cis white men can't make about me for them like let me mm -hmm. say it yeah I'll say it yeah <laughs> it was a, it was yeah it was totally that of like I was playing into the hand of what do people not understand or what are, what are people punching down about queer people? Um, and also it, it just like any, like I think gender expression was a huge topic that I would hit on in my comedy. And I was presenting a lot more femme and it was all just repression. And I was like, I'll punch down for you yeah. because I'm punching my, what you don't know because you can't see this right now is I'm punching myself in the face in right. front of an audience. Right. And right. songwriting is a much healthier outlet for me. No. Although I will say that there is obviously, I love talking in between songs at my shows. And I thought, I think I'm comfortable doing that in part because I, I did have some stand-up background for a few years. Of course, it's all in the game. I, I think stand-up is very similar to music. That's all I'll say. I'm stopping yeah. because people have heard me say that too many times. I love it. I love this chat. I'm looking at my notes to make sure. Have you ever done psychedelics? I have, but I was always very, like, sorry, dad, really fucked up when I did them. So I don't, I never really got the experience that I've heard people talk about, but it's something that I would like to try. Yeah. Um, because I'd only been like really drunk. And then someone would be like, we have shrooms. And I'd be like, yeah. oh. Yeah. I, look, I don't want to proselytize it too much, but I, I wrote a book about my faith and the thing that turned me back to, um, my childlike state of what is this? Um, which, by the way, when I was like, when we're talking about the judgmental or or the or the the pinched, unfree, unclear Christian person, I always think of Jesus saying, "You have to become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven." Of course, he doesn't mean heaven 
later we're talking about heaven now. And I'm like, who's like a child? Whose face is light? Is it the person that comes up to you and says, I can't be with you because you're queer? That doesn't seem like any child I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And that's straight from the, that's from JC, man. JC Penny. JC Penny. Oh, I love his work. <laughs> I love his affordable clothing. OMG. <laughs> I don't, oh, we, but in my, uh, the book, I went back to my childlike state of what is this, that, that, basic phenomenon of what is going on why is there anything basic idea like you here me here this here air space consciousness it's unbelievable and it's because i took mushrooms so without directly being like i think you and your wife should do it because you should do it with somebody that you love and trust and feel safe with and just clear out a day (laughs) I really, it's, it's interesting that you bring this up because it's been something that I've really been thinking about for a while only because I've had other persons like yourself be like, you know, this was actually a really beautiful experience for me. Like, have you ever done mushrooms? I'm like, yeah, but I don't think, I think you have to be sober no, when you, because I've only had like party mushrooms and I'm sure that that's not what people, because like, I'm just, I don't know. I have nothing interesting to share about no, the occasion and that wasn't it <laughs> there's a book um my friend brian murarescu we became friends from this podcast wrote a book called the immortality key and he's tracing the use of psychedelics i'm saying this for your dad mostly because he'd probably find it very interesting it's good keep <laughs> um, going pete keep going <laughs> that that the eucharist used to be a psychedelic ceremony dad did you hear that so the yeah. eucharist used to be psychedelic so and, before and you call me all these dionysians so dionysus was the wine and the psychedelic so there were all these winks in the new testament telling the new converts to this new religion that the mysteries of eleusis were going to be continuing in the home and that that was the big breakthrough of Christianity was like these things that you used to have to go to this very remote part of Greece to have these uh, administered to you can now be done just like a bunch of homies around the table. So when you do mushrooms, I think properly and liturgically and and sacredly. With uh, my dad. With your dad. Well, you're, I mean, without a doubt. (laughs) For sure. I, but I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like it, it would, I think your dad would have a beautiful experience. And, and I don't actually think I'm kidding either. As the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't think he would because he's kind of, he is literally an Eagle Scout, but I, now I'm thinking, about it, I'm like, I'd be down. He needs to read the immortality key and that will get all of that sort of one on the Enneagram sort of good boy Eagle Scout stuff on board. You'll be like, I have the document. I mean, the case is very convincing, but, but all of that aside, um, I'm going to give you a couple tips just because it sounds like you might do it. I like doing it in a beautiful place is super important. I like to think of it as three days. The first day, let's say you got an Airbnb somewhere by a lake or something. The first day is to acclimate. Don't do it on a day you travel, wake up and do it late morning. It's only going to last about four or five hours. Um, we'll get to what to do when you do it. And then the day, the day after you want a clear day after you don't want while you're tripping on mushrooms to think, wait, I have to give a keynote presentation tomorrow. You don't want anything the next day. So it's a three day experience, one day to acclimate, one day to do it, one day to just sleep in, relax and and process. When you take them, everybody's going to have different 
advice. Um, I, I'm not, I don't even, I don't have the amounts dialed in. You're going to ask the person that you get them from, like, what's a good amount. Mm-hmm. But the mantra that is so good for life and is so good for mushrooms is just, yes, thank you. And just knowing that it's a, a finite amount of time. I've told somebody that was kind of struggling with their trip before. I was like, you're always here where you and I are, regular reality. Just mm-hmm. enjoy being there. Just say yes to the weirdness. And if it wants to gobble you up, let it gobble you up. If it wants to, not not you're not going to literally yeah. feel pain. I'm just saying, if you think, oh no, this is a bit much, go, it's a bit much. It's all about yes. And, and talk about it. Do it with somebody so you're having the same experience at the same time. And if, if there can be someone there watching you, taking care of you, that's yeah. even better. Um, very yes and just like very improv just yes and absolutely it's a Richard Roy has a book called yes and which is wonderful because that is the spiritual attitude and music that you love on a playlist um food is nice to have out you probably won't eat it but you'll play with it toys literally like sparkly balls uh kinetic sand all of these things are going to be your best friend uh, once you kind of cross over, because what happens is your pupils open up. So you let in all of the wonder and light. So things that you and I think like the the reflection in my iPhone is so boring to yeah. me right now will become the most interesting thing in the world. And, and you'll just be in what, what I would call the kingdom of heaven, the eternal present. The thought of making a plan for tomorrow is literally laughable. The thought of taking a picture that you might remember your trip is literally laughable. You see that life, the present is just cascading over a waterfall. It's gone. You can't hold on to it. So it's all just surrender, 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 surrender. And once you realize you're in the, you're in God's, um, you're like in a, a crib with toys and, and, and the universe is like your, your parents, but they're off and you can just play with your wife and roll around and laugh and snuggle and kiss and then feel a little bit strange because you think your body's getting longer. I'm just so sad. I'm not doing mushrooms as soon as we're done recording. I know. I know. Now I'm just so, now I'm like, shoot, I have to like record music. Like, lame. <laughs> lame. You're going you're gonna to take it. mushrooms with my dad in the desert. You got to. And the weird, the last time I did mushrooms, I was really struck with how short it is. It's really short. It's LSD is about a 12 hour experience, meaning I've never had an LSD trip that didn't end with me being like, okay, we can wrap this up. Not in a bad way. (laughs) Just sort of like, I get it. Everything's amazing. I get it. Like, I just like to go to bed. Mushrooms is not that way. Four or five hours and there's a peak. So like you're coming up and that's almost a little bit like an edible of weed. and, and And then there'll be a point where, you will just feel like two babies on your back staring up at a mobile, but the mobile mobile is the stars. I say cool. do it during the day and, and be with some of it. I'm assuming your wife that you're comfortable crying in front of you. Won't, you won't necessarily cry, but you want to feel safe to cry. You want to feel safe to laugh. You want to feel safe to say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out right now. Cause, cause talking about it will make it all better. Yeah, and, and you want to be able to change your environment. If you start feeling wonky and you're like, I don't know if I like this, you got to be able to change your environment. You got to be able to like get in the pool or maybe not swim, but like get in the bathtub or go outside or go for a walk or look at a tree. Like, because mushrooms is very like, sorry to be going on and on, but if you're looking at a tree and you love that tree and that tree is Jesus 
And then at a certain point you go like, I don't think that tree is Jesus anymore. That tree is telling me that everything dies. You need your wife or your, or your trip angel to be able to go, okay. um, To help you. Grace, let's, let's just go over here and play with the sand. (laughs) Almost kind of like, sure, grandma. Okay, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Bury that. Yes. I had a bit and it never really worked, but you know, I have a three-year-old and I was like, I think I'm a good dad. And I think one of the reasons I'm a good dad is because I've trip set people and it's the same thing. You get someone <laughs> who's in a new place, you need to sometimes give them blankets, like a weighted blanket or, yeah. or, or, or a hat <laughs> or like oh, or a hat, maybe a hat. That'll do it. Just a hat. Just give him a hat. Like you're going to laugh when you and your dad do mushrooms in the desert. And he's like, do you have a hat? You will laugh for 40, 45 days. I hope he does it in his collar. That's all I'm saying. I hope he does it in like a full, with like the priest collar on or full robes. That'd be cool. Well, I will say this. If you do do this, which I, you know, it's It's, I think this is the year. I think it's time. I've kind of thought about it, especially recently. I feel like this is very plausible. I feel very, I'm on board with that. When you go to your dad's church, I'm assuming if it's like other Episcopal churches and it has stained glass or it has like geometric shapes yes. and stuff, you're going to you're gonna laugh your ass off. You're going to go, everything in a high church, a Catholic church, an Episcopal church, high church, like a, a chapel, all of that stuff is psychedelic imagery. Your dad doesn't know it, but he's been looking out because usually the most beautiful one is behind the congregation. He's been staring out at a kaleidoscopic, fractal representation of divine dna that we just thought was pretty all of the all of the churches just agree like most faiths like glass they just, they just love colorful glass yeah. and shapes and and repeating geometry it that is the language of the soul and and that's and that is often what is revealed uh in these experiences and i can't stress this enough i'm not telling people to do drugs i'm certainly not telling people to do them uh um, casually. I, I do them from time to time, pretty rarely, but I do them as my spiritual practice. That's my religion. Yeah. 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 I told, I totally hear that. And you're not the first person, which is why it's so interesting to hear it from you. You're not the first person who has expressed something of this variety to me, especially people who have walked a similar path of sort of deconstruction. And I would say like kicking the tires of faith. Um, so I feel just, especially the year that I've had, I want to just be, I want to be more open. I only want to be more open because I think when you have gone through any sort of repression, it's okay to sort of question why was I repressed in this way? And is there anything that I could try that would open me up more? And it's not, yeah, again, for my dad listening, because my dad also doesn't know drug names. That's the funny thing about him. When he was trying to tell my brother and I not to smoke weed one time, he was like, (laughs) <laughs> I can't even remember what he said. He's like, you're just doing like, you're just dope fiends or something like that. Oh and, gosh. um, which I don't think is what it is. Um, nope. weed no, has I've... never been used. Dope it wasn't smack. It was, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's using heroin words. <laughs> it was like the wrong word. And my brother and I were like, Whoa. You know what you'll like about it. If you're like me is that it's an experience of ineffability. So you realize that, that, you can't talk about it. And then you recognize that maybe that's why the Bible is the way that it is, is that sometimes you need to say uh, virgin birth and, and death and resurrection 
to to convey things that are true because they're the way they represent energy moving is true. Whether or not they're literally true is, is sort of not important. It's like, this is how I can tell another human being the truest thing in the universe. And it's through this story and through this metaphor. And maybe it's literally true. We can stay open to that. But when you do mushrooms, you come back and you feel like Frodo. You're like, you're back in the Shire and you don't even know how to tell people yeah. what you experienced. And then you sympathize with mystics that had revelation and came back from it and started being like, uh, well, um, you know, like you're, you're down from Mount Sinai. I mean, like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, it, there's so much, I think of when you, when we were talking about freedom earlier and seeing everything for what it is and the things that were assigned to you and then shaking all that stuff off. And if you have never, ever had to consider that, it's a really difficult thing to explain. If everything prescribed has been totally fine and you feel really happy and yeah. fulfilled, then I probably do seem like a raving lunatic. Yeah. You too. know? But you're in trouble. See, that's why, you know, religion is, a, is about unlearning or spirituality is about unlearning. It's like letting go letting go letting go so that's the other that's what yes is as a mantra yes and or yes thank you you have to be ready to go like uh, nothing is sacred to me you can have it all i just want to be who i am in mm -hmm. god and knowing mm -hmm. who you are is helpful because you might drop your identity I've, I've had what's known as ego not on mushrooms but i've had the ego death experience and it was pretty gentle because most of, this sounds like a brag, I wanna be clear, it took a lot of prep. And when you meditate, that can be an ego death. You can forget who you are. And, and, and when you get there, what I'm saying is, if you're clinging to what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be an American and what it means to be this race, this gender, whatever it might be, you might have a rockier takeoff. If you're like, here, here it is, what do, what do you want? You want Semler? You yeah. Want, you want Grace? <laughs> I mean, it's all just window dressing. Let's get right into the spirit. Then you'll have a very smooth time, which is why your dad would probably rock it. You know what I mean? I can't. Well, we will have to report at this point. Because yeah. I know he's listened this far in. We have. We'll just have to report back and see how it went. What if it's a if, Pete? What if it's a disaster? What, I mean, like, this is, what if he's like paranoid and he like? I don't know. Then, then you take him gently and you move him to another area. That's what they mean by set and setting. So set is your internal state. So you want to do some breathing, do some meditating, do some yoga, whatever you do to get your dopamine up, eat some bananas, whatever you do. Uh, it's nice to do it on an empty stomach or a light stomach. But if he starts freaking out, you take him somewhere else. You go and you say, look at this tree. This tree is Christ. And you use the word Christ. Whenever, every time I've remembered Christ on mushrooms, you're just like, I lived in the same this as Christ. And you go, he's here now. It's the best. It's incredible. <laughs> Jesus is among us. And then you yeah. just write a fire. You know, he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> he's back. Yeah. You say he's back. Because you know what, Semis? Christ never went anywhere. That's that's the big punchline. Is, is Jesus realized his oneness with the Christ, but the Christ began 
when the big bang, whatever, at the beginning of existence, anything that existed was always Christ. So there's no return except you return. That's the second coming of Christ. When you recognize Christ looking out your eyes, that's the second coming. And it'll happen for you and me, it might happen on different timelines, but we're waiting for someone to come holding a flaming sword, riding a sheep through the clouds. Come on guys, let's do better. Let's do better. Yeah, I remember asking my mom about that driving home from church one day being like, I was like, so you think he's going to come back soon? Like Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back really soon. Do you think it'll be when, you know, when we're alive? And it makes a lot more sense now because I think, you know, I've talked a lot with my parents as they've worked through their own things, but I just remember my mom being like, I don't think so. Just like literally uh, like, I don't think so. Your mom's voice, by the way, need, it's killing me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I, she would say that it doesn't sound exactly like her, but I have been assured from reliable sources that the essence of her is captured. See? Sammy's and it's because I love her so much. I think you only do impressions like that of people that you really deeply care about. Because I of always course. do my mom's voice when I think I can't not like do it. And it's not a, meant to be a dig at her at all. You're a secret comedian and I love it. And I think I think it's informing the whole thing. Let's Let's be fluid in our creative labels as well. <laughs> Thank you. you. We're all you make we're art. all fluid, yeah. <laughs> Just like my boy Chris Angel. He's both oh a magician. <laughs> He's a, a magician icon. and fashion icon, performance artist, visionary, television star. He's a multi-hyphenate. But visionary is with a Z for sure. <laughs> and yeah. It's, and it's tattooed on the back of a fan. He had the book. <laughs> I've been wondering, is that Bruce Willis over your shoulder? Who? That. No, that's Ru- that's baby RuPaul. No. It's a young RuPaul, yeah. Do you it want me to show like, you? Uh, sure. It looks like the cover of Die Hard. Well, it's this sweet photo of a young RuPaul that I found with mom oh my written gosh. on his arm. Oh, my god! I just thought it was sweet because, um, I don't know, he is just, I mean, talk a, a visionary, if you will. And so I just think that like young photo of him so determined is just something that I find quite inspiring. Oh my God. Can you, uh, we could talk about RuPaul for nine years. Look, <laughs> I loved it. I have one final question and it's the question I ask everybody. Is that Bruce Willis? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, can you remember the time in your life that you laughed either the hardest or really, 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 really hard. That's it. It was on a mission trip, actually. So on topic, I don't remember what it was about, but that is an environment where you are really, it's a stressful thing for a teenager to go through. So not a huge amount of laughing. I was also in the closet at the time, but my very good friend, I have her, like one of my best friends, I have her handwriting tattooed right there. Love her so much. It says break bread, actually. Nice. Um, so which again, might have meant take psychedelics. I'm, we're not. May, sure. Yeah, maybe <laughs> break a little, break a little bread. Yeah, yeah. A, little, um, <laughs> a few caps. Yeah, that's such a like Christian way of saying like do drugs, like break some bread. Um, oh such a youth pastor way. We break some bread of the blood of Christ. Um, oh my God. Anyway, so it was like kind of just a stressful environment, and I don't remember what she said. I really wish I did, but I just felt so free. She said something probably very out of bounds. I laughed so hard. I threw up. I had to run to the bathroom. I've never laughed that hard again. Probably 15 years old. And it was something really, I I do remember it was something very like vulgar and shocking because 
the youth leader in our cabin was like mad, which made it so much funnier. And I just exited the cabin, the building, and I had to go throw up. Puke. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and just a lifelong friend. And she, you know, I just, I have that memory of, and they do too, of me running to the bathroom to throw up from laughing. It's only happened once. That is fantastic. He was on the podcast. He, I think it was the 300th episode. My friend Ern, I made him laugh so hard that he puked. And it is, it's a feather in my cap to this day. So you made that, that young lady's life. Yes. <laughs> I think I did. I think I, I think I absolutely did. And it's right, a right, shame yeah. I cannot re- recall this, this joke, but what a what a joke it must have been i mean it might have just been the word balls we don't know we don't need <laughs> it probably to was balls i mean yeah no yeah what i said during was not any better than balls so <laughs> well people are gonna hopefully there's i mean i don't want to rush you to the new record but it sounds like there's more stuff coming which i'm excited for and i am thrilled about late bloomer my alexa had a hard time saying it so you have to say play late bloomer by semler uh, because she kept trying to play weird shit. Um, she hates, she's homophobic. She's little, so we've, we've known this. Yeah, we've, we've known, known this. Yeah. <laughs> you we've have known. Fun. We've known for a long time. Thank you for taking all this time. I really, yeah. really love the record. I'm really happy for you. Uh, listen back and write down all the books. See, you're reading Judd Apatow's book. Get that out of here and get in the power of now. Okay, that is from when I quit my assistant job at a film studio and one of the executives that never really talked to me gave me that book because I said I was pursuing stand-up comedy. Okay, there's much more of a story. Okay, okay. haven't fully read it, but I have read a few things. Yes, no. I feel too, don't look at anything else. I don't know what else is on here. I know, I just want you to know that I'm seeing everything. I'm seeing, (laughs) I'm seeing the ankle equivalent on your bookshelf. You're not very modest when this it comes is, to your I know, this is too, I feel exposed. No, 100% JK. Feel safe. I'm closing my eyes. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, Love Wins, that's the only one that I think you really, really should really. What am I, why, what am I doing? What am I doing? All these recommendations. Anyway, do mushrooms, read Love Wins. <laughs> Please keep making music. And thank you for taking this time. Would you say. Thanks so much for having me. Keep it crispy. It's how we end. The guest says the catchphrase. What do I say? You say keep it crispy. Oh, keep it crispy. <laughs> it surprised me the way you said it. I don't know why. What should I mean? Keep it, keep it crispy. I could butch it up. Keep it oh, crispy. No. You know who talks like that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt talks like a boy in junior high, lowering his voice to sound cool. Have you ever noticed this? I haven't, but I kind of feel like a boy in junior high. Okay. So. I, well, look for representation in Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Thank hey. you. Hey, hey, is Julie there? Hey, yeah. Julie. <laughs> it's like, it's not that deep, bro. Maybe it is. He's Keep very it talented. Keep, Keep it crispy. Thank you, Sammy's. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so crispy. My ice can't make you haters want to